For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Welcome to Spotcast, Season 3, Episode 22, Stardate 9603, Mark 64. My name is Tim Mitra. I am in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined once again by Jonathan Kuline in Mississauga, Ontario. Hello there. And Jaime Lopez Jr. in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? I should try not to improvise training the uh, introduction. <laughs> <laughs> gets, all, gets all stuttery and stuff. I'm going to say something about, you know, the, the new year. And Happy New Year, by the way, everybody. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, fam. Bird. Happy New Year. First of January. 2021 came and we did not see the giant boss life bar in the sky. So that's a good sign. Boss life bar? <laughs> like a video game where you, you got to the, oh. the level and you got to face level? the end of boss. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Apparently that's coming on January 21st, I think, right? <laughs> right. Anyway, we can get political on this show. We don't, you know, we're not, we're not scared of politics on this show that much. Anyway, um, yeah, so this week we'll be talking about uh, Star Trek Discovery Season 3, Episode 12. There is a tide. Change to the good of the people. What? Change oh, yes, from sorry. the good of the people. That's yeah, what they had it listed at until this week. Yeah, see, we, last week we, I, I, we had a feeling they would change it. So there is a tide ellipsis, or there is a tide dot, dot, dot. Is it dot, 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 or you just put that in there? No, that's how they had it uh, on, listed on the site now. All righty. So there's a tide. So where does that, what's, what's missing from the rest of that quotation, I wonder? So I'm looking at the uh, Wikipedia entry, and and it claims that now episode 13 is going to be That Hope Is You Part 2, which makes a little bit more oh, sense than what we saw early in the season of like, right. where's the part two? It's like the, all the rest of the titles do not include That Hope Is You Part 2. So, so they're playing some interesting Mark, games Michael, here with the with the titles. So once again, Michael Burnham saves the day, right? Or saves the whole season, I guess. <laughs> anyway, um, fact check. We have some fact check. So Jonathan, you can lead us off in the fact check. Yeah, so we had spoken last week we were talking about uh, a lot about the mandalorian because it was the season finale of the mandalorian season two and uh, tim you had mentioned you know it's an awful lot of hubbub for boba fett the character who only had two lines in the entire original trilogy and uh something about that didn't quite sit right so i went and looked it up and he actually has four four whole mm -hmm. lines and they're all mm -hmm. in empire strikes back all he does in, okay. in return of the jedi is is yell so uh, i've added a link to the boba fett fan club.com where uh, they've got a list of of, uh, his four very exciting quotes okay cool and and i did check i did watch this week on um or this i guess this yeah this weekend i guess they've had uh been replaying all of the star wars movies uh including solo and rogue one on our showcase channel here so i've watched the uh return of the jedi and i watched this you know this, the barge scene where boba fett does fall into the sarlacc pit um and uh yeah the sarlacc burps so i assume the sarlacc had to trouble passing his his uh, armor right so yeah there's in it's funny because there's been a lot of different sort of visions of how that 
happened. We talked last week about the Tales of the Bounty Hunters novel, which for a lot of people was sort of the, um, you know, uncanonized version of what happened where he was swallowed and then he was down there and then he found a way out, sort of Jonah and the Whale style. There was an original, the first vision of how that happened was actually in the first Marvel comic version of Star Wars that came after Return of the Jedi, where uh, Han Solo and Princess Leia go back and they go back to Tatooine and uh, apparently during the belch that you referred to, Tim, the belch projectiles him out. You just didn't see it. Oh, yeah. At the time. George forgot to put that in the show, right? Yeah. Yeah. So take with, take from that what you will. I'm not sure that that's actually the case. Uh, right. You know, obviously it hasn't been canonized. Right. But um, so, did, so since we're talking about the Sarlacc, um, did you not find that the original Sarlacc that just had a hole going down with sort of spiky teeth on it you know yes. sort of like an inverted octopus yes was much more menacing than the you know sort of some flytrap like, looking thing yeah yeah, yeah. i was gonna say flytrap yeah. it sort of had like a you know cgi sort of it, it looked to like it. the it looked like the venus flytrap from uh little shop of horrors mm, the one right. with rick moranis right yeah well, I, I don't know i think that's probably insulting the little shop of horrors flytrap but yeah and i just i just noticed because of course you know i've been watching and of course every time i see the job of the hut see with Han Solo in A New Hope, I cringe. Um, but yeah, so because that just that scene just doesn't need to be there at all. But no. anyway, um, for many reasons. But uh, and there's that dog again. Uh, anyway, yeah. So just uh, I don't know. Just you know, editorialize. I was saying to Carol today that you know um, George Lucas's wife won an Academy Award for editing on that first movie. So I don't understand why he felt he had to change it. Right. So, yeah. I guess he he didn't win an Academy Award for re-editing it, did he? Uh, no. No. Okay. All right. All right. Art for art's sake, money for money's sake. Um, yeah. So I'll just finish this one off. And we were talking last week about um, the, the what was that first movie called? The Phantom Menace. Mm. And there was some kid that won a pod race. We, I mean, I couldn't remember at the time what his name was, but his name was apparently Jake Lloyd. Oh, he was the unforgettable that. kid in The Phantom Menace. The forgettable, forgot. unforgettable kid? Yeah, the incredible, yeah, it's the unforgettable kid. Let's move on to our headlines. Headlines. We had a couple of uh, interesting ones this week. So the first story is that one of the producers of the new Game of Thrones prequels has been poisoned to death in a very surprising and very odd story. I don't know if you guys have seen this one. So the man's name was Lin Chi. Chi. Uh, He was known as an executive with a Chinese game developer called Yozu. And he is... He had worked on this Game of Thrones Winter is Coming strategy game, and they had brought him in to start working on uh, this, help working on this prequel. And according to the story, he was poisoned by one of his colleagues, uh, one of his Chinese colleagues. He was allegedly poisoned by aged tea, which is a fermented, uh, it's called pu'er tea, and he was poisoned by his, uh, his, one of his colleagues. Now, this, I guess, colleague... Has been like arrested in Shanghai, and there, so there's again, it's a really weird story. The Guardians has it, the BBC has it, but anyways, this person was sort of you know uh, an up and comer. He's in his thirties, late thirties, and he was sort of you know uh, very very wealthy. He was worth uh, like almost a billion dollars, and they're still not sure why this happened, but it sort of cast this sort of cloud over this new production that had been started. They were I guess in pre production on this show and they've been working on it and everyone's sort of like just shocked that this guy just you know not only is he just died suddenly 
at, at a very young age, but that he was killed. Poisoned. Yeah. By his colleagues. That's by one of his colleagues. That's what it says. Yeah. Wow. The person in custody is allegedly uh, Shu Yao, who was the head of Yozu's movie production arm. So I don't know. So I guess the other thing we should mention, we talked about this before, that they were doing an adaptation of uh, Three Body Problem, which is this very, very beloved Chinese sci-fi book that is being adapted to a Netflix series. So they have been working on that as well. Anyways, this guy was sort of considered, you know, uh, like, you know, a star in China. And he was sort of breaking through in other markets with some of his other work. And uh, so, yeah, everyone is just sort of shocked and stunned that this has all happened. And, and it has cast this weird pallor. What, what do you guys think of this uh, this sort of weird scenario? That is very strange. Yeah, you don't see that sort of thing happen too often, right? It, it's not like, I mean, if it was a common thing, you would guess that like the D&D guys would have been poisoned as well, right? Angry people, upset at stuff. <laughs> But and yet it doesn't happen. Like I mean, it's it's just strange to see that. Yeah, I, I just I didn't know what to make of this when I first heard it because I guess initially he checked himself into hospital and just sort of said, "No, I'm not feeling well." And then they just sort of said, "Well, they suspect that he may have ac- accidentally had something." Oh, then he was poisoned, and then he died, and then they were like, "Oh, and one of his colleagues has been arrested," and it just sort of keeps snowballing into these weird things. It's it's such a weird story. So I, I mean, just sad and surprising. Um, but what it means for the future of this game of thrones prequel uh, hopefully it will not um you know uh, you know ruin the hard work that everyone's put into this but obviously it's it's definitely um you know it's got to be a shock for everyone working on this project mm, weird uh and unfortunately i've had another bit of bad news too so this um i saw the story last night so one of the uh voice actors from clone wars as a matter of fact the voice actor who did the voice of yoda on the clone wars uh has suffered a stroke and he his name is Tom Kane, and he's worked on all kinds of different. Uh, he's a you know well-known voice actor. He's worked on all kinds of projects, including uh, Archer and of course Clone Wars. He worked on you know Powerpuff Girls, Robot Chicken, Kim Possible, all kinds of different stuff. He suffered a stroke, and he is now unable to speak. He's uh, his the part of his brain that's been uh, deactivated by the stroke has el- eliminated his ability to communicate verbally, and he can't read and he can't spell. So this is a really sad story that this is somebody who you know uh whether you knew it or not was you know behind a lot of different things that we've enjoyed over the years so uh, i just wanted to call this one out and say you know gosh i hope i hope you know tom can recover from this because uh he has provided us with so much entertainment over the years and it was just such a sad story um it's up on his facebook page uh you can look him up his daughter is is sort of keeping people abreast of what's happening with him uh and you know he's now doing his uh, speech therapy and, and physical therapy trying to recover and and, uh, you know, just wanted to shout him out and say, we really hope that he can uh, recover because, you know, he, he has been such a huge part of the, some of the stuff that we love. Wow. Yeah. The cyber is like his main you know, meal ticket, as it were, too, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, again, it's not like he was sort of a bit part player. I mean, the, the, the voice of Yoda on the Clone Wars, you know, he did that for a long time. The trailer dropped this week for um, Superman and Lois, the new Superman CW Arrowverse series. Gives us our our free, our first look at uh, the series led by Tyler Hoechlin as, as Superman, who's of course been Superman in, in the CW series for a few years now. And it kind of has a little bit of the Lois and Clark vibes. It's kind of got that sort of, you know, mix of uh, love and, and sort of domestic bliss with, uh, you know, superheroics and stuff like that. It looks interesting. 
interesting. I don't know if you guys had a chance to, to look at that one yet, but no. But is this supposed to take on Wanda and Vision or what? No, I mean, <laughs> it, it, I think it's looking it's looking much more sort of mainstreamy, kind of you know, a little less a little less Legion, a little more uh, Lois and Clark. Yeah. So I, I only watched like the first three seasons, I think, of of the Supergirl show, and I always found when he was on, he was very stiff. You know, I found I didn't find him very Superman. He wasn't very it wasn't much of a Superman to me. Like, you know, I was just, I was disappointed by the depiction because, you know, he was always sort of this mystery sort of guy off in the other city, right? Yeah, yeah. And they sort of built him up a little bit. I actually found him quite charming. I thought um, he... Like I said, in the first three seasons, he didn't have much. Other yeah. He just kind of stood around and... They did flesh him out a little bit more as it's gone on. And I, I did find that he, he does have a sort of lightness to him, which a lot of the other actors haven't necessarily brought in more recent incarnations. To me, he felt a little bit more like Christopher Reeve's sort of twinkle in his eye kind of version of the character, which which I I kind of liked. I mean, I know you've been watching Supergirl. What uh, what's your take on Tyler and this new adaptation? Yeah, Tim, I, I think where you might have stopped, and I, I I could be wrong. I think in the fourth and fifth seasons they do incorporate him more, and I think early seasons he was like, oh, uh, he's he's off planet because having yeah, two superpowered yeah. people would yeah. solve this problem, right? So he's off planet and he's doing stuff, right? He's busy and then they they snuck him in for a few episodes and he's kind of more of a uh, a cameo but he becomes much more involved in one of the more recent seasons so maybe that's where some of the difference comes there because i actually am pretty excited to yeah. see what ends up happening here mm, okay cool yeah george reeve always sort of had a, a sort of charm like sort of sense of humor to his portrayal of superman and clark kent right clark kent was always like christopher reeve's version of clark kent was a real you know no like almost like crispin glover kind of portrayal right in um, Back to the Future, but uh, yeah, no, I, I was like the George Reeve uh, Superman. That was my sort of my first exposure to Superman in in the flesh, as it were, right? Yeah, yeah, and again, it's a different era too. So you know, mm. I am but, old. I know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Again, I think the series is going to be worth a watch. I, I will definitely give it a few episodes at the minimum to uh, if it sure. wins yeah. me over. Yeah. Coming Tuesday, February twenty third on the CW. Do you, do you guys have that over there? Or do they put it on Crave or something? I forget where yeah, Supergirl like and that. Arrowverse comes out on your own. Yeah, here in Canada, those shows are on showcase which um used to be on city or space or something they yeah season, they right? they were so they the cw shows are kind of spread to the winds here it's sort of whoever paid the most and they and they're not connected which is a problem so a few of them are direct to netflix but they're delayed by a couple of days which is really and we talked about that in the past really really annoying and then the other ones are on uh, a mix of showcase and space so where this one has ended up i have not seen where it's going to be here you can get cw directly here if you have a, a premium package but it is on like the highest tier cable packages so uh if you have one of those well then aren't you lucky to have all that extra money to spend every month but it, uh, here unfortunately cw is uh, um, a little niche mm-hmm. now can i talk about the space station absolutely now so we can talk i, about I the saw a quick headline the other day saying something something about an astronaut had, had smuggled a dead body up onto the into space i didn't hear the space station but well, yeah, to be fair, not a dead body so much. It's ashes. It's ashes. So this one caught my eye because we are a Trek podcast and we do talk about these things. So the story had been revealed by uh, the UK Times that the ashes of James Doohan, a Canadian actor,
Mulder, who played Scotty on the original Star Trek, uh, had been smuggled aboard the International Space Station. And this is not something that happened last night or last week. They've been up there since 2008. I knew he'd been up there. I knew knew he was going to go into space. That was his sort of dying wish, right? Yeah, and I had thought I had heard that years back that uh, he wanted them to be... I thought they were going to sort of, you know, either release them into space or put them in a projectile and just sort of... Yeah, or satellite or something, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I thought that that was sort of the thing. But I guess this story about the Times has revealed that they had snuck them up there years and years and years ago and that they have been... Tim Horton's coffee can, obviously, (laughs) Yeah, and that they had uh, been up there all this time. So every, of course, every person who's up there knows where they are and seen them and everything. So we have the link here, but it's an interesting story. It sort of outlines how they did this on the QT and got, you know, this to fulfill his uh, final wishes to have these things brought up to the space station. But really interesting that uh, this has sort of all happened surreptitiously. Of course, he, uh, James Doohan passed away in 2005. And um, yeah, apparently a, a few years later, they scrolled him away into space. And uh, he is, his, his, the story points out, this is the part that I really, really thought was great. His ashes have now traveled 1.7 billion miles through space, orbiting the planet more than 70,000 times. I love that. That's awesome. Good for him. So, yeah, neat story that, uh, you know, this guy. And actually, I, I had a chance to interview uh, James Doohan in 2000. Wow. He, hmm. uh, he was getting on. His mind wasn't quite as sharp. We had to sort of take some time going through some stuff. Um, but but a lovely person. Very, very happy to speak with me uh, for a story I was doing. And, uh, you know, just like all those great figures of, of science fiction that I've had a chance to talk to over the years, such a thrill to get a chance to to you know even just be on the phone with him for you know half an hour and and get a chance to talk to him so uh yeah cool. very 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 happy for him that he got his his final wish so i saw a video the other day too apparently one of the astronauts i don't know i don't know if this was a staged video or not but one of the astronauts smuggled an entire gorilla suit onto the space station <laughs> <laughs> because started, you do of course and then started chasing around one of the other, other astronauts which is like the part about the the you know chasing the other guy looked a little staged but yeah but can you just imagine yeah that's awesome <laughs> yeah. well wasn't wasn't it the uh the original astronauts they smuggled the ones that did the apollo mission smuggled the golf club uh, up so that they could take a few swings on the moon um anyway so uh yeah this is a story actually from carol she was reading this to me the other day i'm from the toronto star and of course i can't have a link to the toronto star on our podcast so i've gotten one from uh the calgary alberta state something alberta something right there st albert st albert today today. yeah 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 so i don't know if you and we've we've talked about this kind of subject in the past but uh apparently that the headline is that canadian broadcasters grapple with how to address inappropriate content in classic tv and so there's like you know a lot of we've talked about this before like you know the, the old classic looney tunes and and how you know some of them are no longer appropriate to be broadcast to children um although we were raised on them um nothing wrong with us eh, john and um, no, we turned out fine yeah and then uh so but and, and you know disney i think we may have talked about disney putting a disclaimer in front of dumbo and peter pan about how um you know black and native american characters are, are portrayed in 
and addressed in those shows, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and so Canadian uh, broadcasters are, are policewomen. Apparently, there's lots of racial prejudice and, and outdated cultural despic- depictions. Um, I mean, notwithstanding a woman being a police person, you know, which was unheard of back in the day. Um, but yeah, there's a whole article here on on the various challenges that broadcasters have today showing this stuff. Um, even the National Film Board, we have some really classic, you know, short films here, Jaime, uh, put up by the NFB, National Film Board. And yeah, some of them are, are um, they've had to rewrite the descriptions and, and you know, talk about the different ways that, that people are addressed in these inappropriate ways. And and we're very conf- mm-hmm. you know conscious of this now that we have a couple of characters on the current show of Discovery that uh, that have um, different kind of depictions, right? So, mm-hmm. yeah, so interesting problem yeah, and, that we're facing. And, right? and I think it's going to be something that we're going to continue to do over the course of time. You know, times change. There just is never... And to be fair, that's not true. We've struggled with this in other forms over the course of human history. We've struggled with, obviously, books and, you know, different ways that things are depicted that way. It's just now becoming harder and harder to reconcile some of these things and and it's an unfortunate thing that it's some of these things are not that old that we're now having to circle back to and say uh that's not okay um part of it is obviously that you know people are getting more woke but part of it is also just you know i think we're just all coming to an acceptance that you know a lot of these preconceived ways of depicting people even as recently as you know 10 years ago are not gonna fly and how do you do that you put in a warning label at the beginning do you edit the scenes out do you alter the dialogue like how do you how do you deal with that right right yeah i mean again my position has always sort of been um it's an art form and as such it should be you know i mean yes put disclaimers and explain away all you want but you know when i read huckleberry finn i expect to be you know surprised to see the n-word in there right yep um but But i'm not surprised i mean right you know you you are a person of color but you are not uh, um, you know, person with African heritage, so right, it right. hits you differently. Yes, uh, of course it does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I I wonder, you know, how how people feel. Like, you know, and we should ask some of our family, but maybe you know, it's personal personal views on these things. But you know, I you know, I get offended. Of prejudice in my in my in my upbringing. I mean, like I've. I'm sure. Know, I'm yeah. sure. And, and 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 you know, and as ridiculous as it sounds, so have I. Based on my uh, cultural heritage as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, growing up German in the 1970s was not the easiest thing in the world where everyone would punch me and say things like my granddad fought in the war. Like it's just, you know, far, far less than you would experience. I'm sure in other places for other, other conditions, but everybody's got a thing that people will poke at unless you happen to be just, you know, the perfect color of person at the perfect place in the perfect time. There isn't one, which there isn't. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I mean, when I, when I hear people on television, Casually dropping references to Nazis or uh, you know squareheads or uh, you know all the sort of stereotypes and and uh, demeaning uh, insults to German people. You know I don't make a I don't make a big deal out of it just because you know it, it isn't you know directed at me and I don't I don't take a personal offense to it. But I also do get a little bit of you know I feel bad for my kids. I feel you know like there is that sort of presence. And I'm not saying it's unwarranted. Obviously Germany was responsible for some pretty heinous things in the 20th century but um you know how long 
does that legacy last into the generations for you know like yeah my kids and whatever else like i don't i don't like to think that someone's going to judge them or 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 treat them differently because of their heritage just like i wouldn't want people doing that if i was you know black or indian or hispanic or whatever um i wonder how far that trend goes you know like i wonder i wonder at what point you just end up uh, for lack of a better term whitewashing all of those well, I mean, things this out. is the thing like the like i i, I kind of just on this subject i kind of object to the idea of, of tearing down statues of of men in history who because of their their you know their private life behavior right like you know um like tearing down store tearing like getting rid of a statue of mcdonald basically it, it sort of negates the 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 negative impact he had on people because now there's no longer a talking point right now we're walking around in this perfect you know world where there are no symbols of of, of bad times right like i yeah. remember I, was, I, I don't know if i've ever told you this story but when i remember going to new york in like 1967 68 uh, with my family and seeing african-american kids hanging on the back of the bus because there was no seats for them mm. you know or or even being in the bus and you know like realizing that you know the whites sat at the front and african-americans had to sit at the back of the bus and there was a, like a line in the middle of the bus and getting on with my obviously dark father with my family and saying where do we sit mm. right mm -hmm. you know anyway yeah, but, yeah it's, I, it's, it's just it's mm -hmm. it's it's a tough thing. I mean, you know, admittedly, I don't know, like, a, like I mean, it's uh, Carol was telling me she was watching a TV show the other day, which or ch TV channel the other day with no matter what the show was, they say at the beginning of the show, you know, this may cause offense to somebody and may have depictions of violence and whatever and bad language. And it's like, you know, and the show that's on afterwards is completely innocuous, like it has nothing in it that requires a disclaimer. But this station feels obliged to just put this in front of every show right yeah. yeah it ends up having a numbing effect after a while i think well that's i mean yeah i think you nailed it where is that line right like if you say it every time then people are just like well whatever but then they may be triggered by things again i if you know if there was an explicit term to a friend to offend me and it was sprung upon me during a show i would be offended you know how do you how do you do that yeah i don't know well, how about you jaime what so what do you make of all this it's definitely tough to balance that line i think you're right you don't want um i don't know if you guys have encountered this if you visited the state of california but everything may or may not cause cancer in california right. so <laughs> everything has a label on it yeah, to that research, research causes cancer in rats yeah 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 like and like all sorts of things be like what this okay great i mean people see it so much now that there's not really like a good indicator of oh this is something they get legitimately messy up right and so i think the better answer is to just be more careful about this sort of thing you know maybe some things like like uh, song of the south or dumbo does make sense like i kind of envisioning um like key and peel do you remember when they had the like obama anger translator <laughs> like them to come in and be like right. hey guess what there's some racist stuff in this or oh guess what there's some sexist stuff in here um and and that would be a little bit more lighthearted and also sort of prepare people for it, that you don't just um ignore it right it's, it's like the the modern things that you see on airplanes where well i guess pre-pandemic where you would see oh here's this funny video instead of the like okay blah 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 nobody's paying attention as the flight attendants are miming this stuff 
stuff out. It's like, oh, let's watch this video of like, oh, is that Samuel L. Jackson telling me to put on my seatbelt? Okay, cool. I'll pay attention. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 I think I, I vaguely remember it's been you know, a whole day since I saw the Star Trek episode we're going to talk about later. But I think they, they address a few things and, and they kind of celebrate a few different things in, in this show, which is kind of an interesting pr- perspective on things. Right. In terms of how things work, especially when you consider, compare this against the, the original series, which had no qualms about, you know, race and gender and things like that right so yeah anyway um moving on i I know we're going to talk about wonder woman later on but but i just wanted to take a minute like we on our other show we do a thing called follow-up where you know we we pick up stories that that relate to things we talked about in the past kind of like our fact check but so i've got a story here about or just a link here about uh and um about wonder woman streaming in canada on it says amazon prime yes amazon prime video crave disney plus netflix and pvod which is a new term I was not aware of, and PVOD in this in my case I watched it on iTunes as a rental for thirty nine or thirty nine dollars twenty nine dollars, um, and uh, yeah, so I wondered what PVOD stood for, and I, I immediately Googled it, and I came up with pul- pulmonary venoocular disease, and then when I dug a little bit deeper, it turns out to be called premium video on demand, and I noticed on the um, the Cineplex app today there's a few movies coming, the Witches is an is a movie that's being released this weekend as well as wonder woman uh in this pvod or you know premium video premium or home what do they call it on the app home crap (laughs) home release or something home premiere yeah home premiere Mm -hmm. is the term they use for it on on uh, on the app uh or on the on the the email i got today from from uh, those folks and just uh, it's interesting i i I just i did watch the the movie last couple of days and we watched it again before my rental expired um and uh I just wanted to, I was looking through IMDb as I normally do when I'm watching a movie, especially for the second time. And apparently, uh, okay, let me ask this question to you guys. How many release dates do you think Wonder Woman had? I'm going to say three. Let's see. So they would have had the original date. They probably would have moved it back like a month or two and then moved it back. Yeah, I would guess three as well. The film has had seven release dates. The first (laughs) Wow. The first being December, I'm reading, first being December 20th, 2019. It was moved up to November. November 8th, 2019, in order to avoid competing with Star Wars, Episode oh, yeah. 9, The Rise of Skywalker in 2019. Once again, it was announced that the 25th James Bond film would leave its original, originally slot, scheduled slot for November 1st, and uh, Warner Brothers this moved it, moved the film up another week to take extra advantage. Anyway, so it became... Uh, and then it was decided the 4th was when it was pushed back seven months to June 5th, 2020, which we all know and love, um, as Warner Brothers Brothers realized the success of the first film's June 2nd, 2017 date was comparable. The fifth change was made March 24th, 2020, when it was moved to August 14th, 2020, due to concerns over COVID-19. And again, it was moved to October 2nd in June, when Warner Brothers shifted to schedule of other upcoming films, and then September 2020. And once again, it was pushed to December 25th, 2020. And... Uh, it's, I saw somewhere else in here that it was it was around Christmas time, but the movie takes place on the Fourth of July. Most of the, the story, but there is a, a 
a part of it that's in, on, around Christmas time. But yeah, it's just, um, yeah, seven release dates. <laughs> yeah, who knew? Who knew? Anyway, yeah. Okay. I think that is the fine tradition of 2020. Everything yeah. got bumped and bumped and bumped and bumped until it was bumped off. Right. And then this uh, this next story is dear, near and dear to our heart. And uh, it's that Tignataro is returning as Reno for Star Trek Discovery Season 4. But she's limiting her, her inclusion because of concerns over COVID-19. Um, it is filming in Toronto starting, I was just reading the article here. It, it started, started in November. Def- yeah, right? I was going to say about a month we're ago. We're in lockdown yeah. now, so everything's on hold. I mean, one of our family members works in the, in the TV trade as a, as a lighting guy. And uh, he was telling us the other day that, yeah, everything's, everything. they were working with masks and, and, and procedures and he was getting tested every every day and all that kind of stuff. And uh, But yeah, because he was working on a couple of shows. The, 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 one, the, the one we all love and love that he works on is, is, is wrapped up but uh which is good news i guess and uh yeah so so yeah they're um is coming back uh blue del barrio is coming back ian alexander is coming back but yeah tignataro is uh stepping back a little bit you know in her role as the what do they call it here the acerbic engineer jet reno yeah i guess i'm not too surprised in that she hasn't been in every episode anyways right she to me she always seemed like a, a strategic strike right you don't need to you know you don't you don't want to use that weapon every time you want to sort of break it out when you need it and she sort of would just sort of pop in say some smart ass things for an episode and then you wouldn't see her for another couple episodes she's, she's like she's always felt like a guest star to me yes oh yeah yeah yeah. like bob newhart in the in the uh jedi costumes and in, in big bang yeah Theory. that's right that's right <laughs> come in sure. do something funny leave yeah yeah cool all right um Jaime, you're up next i think right yep. yeah this one is gonna work better for those of you transporting at home to check the show notes got the link this is the uh youtube channel built irl or in real life they build a, a grappling gun which is pretty dang cool um it is before you get all uh you know wistful about hiding it in your pocket the way that like batman does in the animated series it's not quite <laughs> that level uh it's more of a of a of a thing you wear you know not only strapped to your arm but also because you realize oh it, it yanks the heck out of your shoulder uh, it's actually kind of good to have a a harness kind of like if you were going to rappel down a, the side of a building so it's, it's a little bit more involved but still pretty dang cool that he's got the little you know gun part that shoots out the grapple and then he can winch himself up which is pretty neat <laughs> yeah yeah and i think you'd have trouble fitting this into a bread box to be honest with you right right all right cool where do i and sign it, up i want one yeah and and the last this should have gone on to the, on to the sad news um gilligan's marianne gilligan island marianne has passed away dawn wells at the age of 82 and of course a victim of covid so which yeah. is unfortunate you know yeah I, I saw that one the other day and i sort of thought to myself amongst all the tragedies of covid this is certainly you know another which is you know the totality of it is a horrible thing but she had a great life and a long life and you know obviously you know propelled that sort of one all things be equal short-lived experience into a lifetime of experiences and yeah, um yeah. you know I, she used to come to those you know pop culture events like like fan expo here in canada and san diego comic-con and stuff like that and was you know apparently a sweetheart a genuinely nice person and and uh everybody who interacted with her said she was a delight and and uh really enjoyed meeting people and and uh so you know i i'm gonna look at her life not by its tragic ending but uh for the totality of its wonderful experiences and and and, uh the the joy that her uh you know sweet innocent marianne brought to us all all those years and she well she was on stage as well it's it's just you know not just uh 
island. She did have a, a life after Marianne, as it were, after she mm -hmm. got off the island. Mm -hmm. yeah. Anyway, that takes us into the main feature of this evening's show, which is to talk about Star Trek Discovery Season 3, Episode 12, There is a Tide, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> and Jaime is going to do the, um, the recap. Yeah, we, we start off right in the middle of the action as the USS Discovery is getting blasted by Osiris Viridian. Uh, but this is really just a ruse uh, because they're, they're, you know, heading towards Starfleet headquarters. So this is a ruse to uh, to try to trick the Starfleets into letting them in. And and presumably they stole this from uh, the Mandalorian. I just want to say, <laughs> yeah, it's got that that sort of a vibe to it. Not, not the first time we've seen in in media for, for this this trick to be done. Um, Admiral Vance is very much unsure about letting them inside. He's like, hmm, calms her down. That's what's going on here. Um, we do go inside the bridge of the Discovery, where uh, apparently old movies are taking up a small bit of space in the database, and it's like the only thing that they can't delete as they've put their new operating system, their own. The Emerald Chain tech in the Discovery's computers. And uh, the guy that I wrote is Pirate Dude, because I didn't know his name at the time when I wrote this note. Uh, Zara uh, comes back onto the scene uh, and uh, you know, shows like, hey, the, the ice stuff didn't didn't finish me off on that planet. Uh, he shows the, the bridge crew who is being held captive in the ready room. And so that's that's sort of where the split is for uh, somewhere in here they mentioned they're like, oh, um, you know, they're, they've shoved everybody off who's unimportant off into the brig um, and other places but the bridge crew is sort of the, the premium sort of crown jewels of the hostages. So they've, they're keeping those folks in the in the ready room as a, a collective place for them. And, and that'll be important later. Uh, we end up seeing a book's ship going through, I believe, a transwarp corridor. Can't remember if they mentioned what it was, but it's it's a cool, cool space tube. Uh, but there's, you know, all sorts of debris of, you know, blown up ships in there. And apparently this is why couriers themselves tend not to use the courier network it's uh it's pretty dangerous to be going super high speed when there's all this stuff that's right in your path so we see some cool stuff as this ship, it was a, yeah it was we, a really neat effect i thought i thought that was really well done yeah and then we know that his ship is able to reconfigure itself on the flies mm -hmm. it, it uses that to change shape where it would have you know plowed into something otherwise pretty pretty neat special effects there and mm -hmm. all the what i assume are you know ships that were using the tube and then blew up during the, the burn or something you know and so they're they've littered the the heck out of that thing yep. so uh adam Vance is uh, is about to let in the the disco into uh, the secret Starfleet base uh, when uh, Michael and Book arrive and pull a 100% Anakin Skywalker or Jake Lloyd uh, by flying right into the <laughs> shuttle bay, very similar to Episode One. Uh, if you've seen that, and uh, so USS Discovery ends up inside of uh, wait, is this did I write that down right? Do they end up inside of the the barrier at this point? They do get let right in. in at one point. So, so okay. yeah, so basically the as as Disco is just being let in by Vance at the exact same time books pilots a ship through so because the Discovery has to lower its shields I guess to go through there so they basically hit them at the exact same time that they're going through the barrier and they end up inside and then the, the Disco ends up inside the barrier. So it's like a Tofurky. I see. So that's what they were. Uh, the it, yeah, it's Tofurky. It that's right. It's the Tofurky strategy. Yeah, the, the yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and so we end up uh, getting into a different scene here in engineering where engineer, I think is uh, Aurora Aurelio? Aurelian? Wrote his name somewhere elsewhere. Yeah, I had him I as Aurelio. Aurelio, thank you, uh, is impressed by the spore drive tech, uh, which is, you know, 930 years old. And it's something like, oh, well, this is going to be an interesting thing to try to try to replicate here because of, of what it can, can do and, and get rid of the the, the yoke of uh, Delithium as being a, a barrier for them. I, I had written it down. So they call 
him the Invigilator, Invigilator Aurelio. And this forced uh, my son and I to pause the show and look up Invigilator because it's such an unusual word. And I'm pretty good with words, but I'd never heard of an Invigilator before. So we looked it up. And according to the uh, online world, an Invigilator is a person who watches an exam to make sure that people don't cheat. Mm. Oh, okay. This is uh, Eli? Uh, no, this is Aurelio. This is the scientist guy. Oh, oh, oh right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Osira right. calls him Invigilator Aurelio. And yeah, mm. he's he's the person who watches the exam to make sure they don't cheat, which is funny. By the, way, the thing we were talking about was Turducken, not Tofurki. Oh, right, right. Turducken. That's right. The turkey. <laughs> yeah, duck stuck in a turkey yeah yeah it's uh no yeah the chicken stuffed into a duck into a turkey (laughs) and still never tried that Anyway, sort of, sort of to throw that in there, Jaime, but I just I, the term really sort of caught me off guard, and I, I, I don't know how that applied in this circumstance. Why they chose that term for him? Yeah, it's, it's kind of weird because you've also got the other guys that are called regulators. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the uh, yeah. the the stormtrooper thugs that Zara is is leading there. So they they use some yeah you know confabulator Bob is is what mm-hmm. they end up having for some of these guys' names. So uh, we we end up looking at uh, inside of book ship um, the radiation meds apparently works super fast because michael is, is not looking too good and it book gives her some uh some radiation meds to save her and he also gives her a device that will hide her life signs so that it will be much more difficult to uh to have her be detected when she's running around in discovery in what is essentially the diehard episode is, is what we're getting yeah. into here uh they give you the uh each other the uh you know i love you i know sort of uh sort of spiel to each other yeah no and wait they, we have to really hurry because we gotta go but let's kiss first yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. They had that. Um, By the way, I just want to so, take a side uh, note here for a second. Sidebar. Sidebar. So I mm-hmm. was watching all the Star Wars movies, as I mentioned earlier, and I watched Solo. And there's a scene where um, Han, Han Solo crashes the, the Millennium Falcon into the planet, and he and Lando Calrissian are looking down at the ship, and he says, "I hate you." And he says, "I know." I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, carry on. Uh, so at this point, Admiral Vance has, has figured out that this is a trap. This is not uh, it's a drop the, the discovery crew so he it gets weapons hot you know gets all the the starships there you know ready to prepare to be uh firing upon the discovery destroying it if necessary and uh book is captured and brought to the uh the little ready room prison and gets sucker punched by zara uh elsewhere in one of the hallways we see a random dude a regulator stormtrooper guy you know sort of taking a a souvenir, I guess, trying to take one of those badges off the wall, the the ones that were put up on the wall by uh, the crew to, to commemorate the folks that were lost. And he gets attacked by Michael, who then gets uh, stabbed in the leg, but uh, Michael heroically taps him out. Uh, I kind of thought he was dead, but apparently he's not. He does show up later in the episode. Oh. Um, yeah, yeah, he, he did show up elsewhere. So <laughs> I wrote down here, she heroically taps him out thinking he was dead, but it seems like he's not. Hmm. Uh, this is not good because she is, is now injured and, and hobbling around right so she's even more of a disadvantage when it comes to the her, her diehard mode so uh admiral vance ends up talking to to osira over their their holographic comms and uh osira's like hey guess what like i will let everyone but the bridge crew free to go with these shuttles you know i need to i need to keep some some hostages some premium ones just to keep you honest so you don't blow up the ship while i'm on it uh, meanwhile in uh in the discoveries uh 
I don't think she's in the tubes yet. I think she's still in the corridor. Uh, Michael is cauterizing her wound with a phaser-like device, uh, very kind of Rambo-like. It, it doesn't it doesn't seem as nice as using like a medical device to do this. And she also takes this opportunity to send a secret message to her mom about uh, Discovery being hijacked. So maybe maybe there might be some help coming uh, from that route from the uh, uh, Vulcan Romulan Alliance sort of thing. And we do end up with uh, Admiral Vance and his entourage personally greeting. Osira and her entourage to have a little meeting of the minds there. Meanwhile, man, there are so many intercuts, this is hard to keep track of. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was a busy episode, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, within the ready room, uh, I think it's Reese and Bryce that are like doing Morse code tapping yep. to each other, but apparently uh, that is just a ruse to catch the attention of the guards to get them all angry, and everybody is able to jump on the guards as, you know, they're they're sort of distracted and, and angered by the, hey, you know, don't communicate with each other thing. Uh, so they they got the drop on them, so this is good. And they ask the Andorian uh, named Rin, you know, hey, can can you hack into this lockdown OS? We need you. We need you to do some stuff here, right, and, and change the game for us. Switching back to a different scene, um, we are in the conference room, or yeah, I guess conference room is the best thing to describe. Where you're going to have a, a whole bunch of uh, a talkie talk from Osira and Admiral Vance, and we learn that uh, these hollows, the holographic projection folks, are uh, apparently also used as lie detectors and it's uh, less offensive than having like a red light <laughs> you show red when you're when you're lying so uh, as he's negotiating with Osira he's gonna know uh, apparently uh, pretty convincingly whether she is lying or not based on what this hollow um, medical hologram type thing is gonna be able to sense from her his name is Eli Eli, Eli that's right yeah yeah uh, there is a bit of a of a funny bit where you know there's uh, you know bruised egos about how easy it was to take over the discovery. So easy that uh, I thought it was a trap. You know, <laughs> like you couldn't possibly <laughs> yeah, be this right. easy to take over. Yeah, pretty hard. A little bit of a sick burn there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but she follows that up with a kind of interesting sort of ploy here of saying, "Hey, you know, she wants the Emerald Chain to unite with the Federation because we're running out of dilithium, and you have a spore drive that can't be." replicated but i've got the smartest scientist working on it the aforementioned invigilator invigilator aurelio <laughs> and and she's got this cool quote here of you know you know you're a chain of planets where a federation of mercantile exchanges which i thought was a a, a real nifty line for her to put in there yep. uh, zara is is on the bridge he gets warned that they have an intruder uh and he knows that you know uh michael is is there in the jeffrey's tubes although he doesn't know the identity right just knows that there is a an intruder but this is who it is we switch over to engineering where um aurelio is interrogating stamets and stamets is having kind of an interesting conversation with him. you know apparently he uh, he knows his endorian opera so he's able to recognize the music that uh, osira had left turned on for the uh, invigilator and he also notices these um like orion 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 orionians uh mating signals like something related to like uh was it jewelry or punctures on yeah, the ear he's, ear, he's yeah. got piercings these stud piercings behind his ear they look like they're pierced right. right into his neck yeah 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 and they indicate that he's uh father yeah and how many times yeah 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 and it's 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 pretty heavily i don't think it's ever explicitly stated here but pretty heavily implied that he uh, aurelio and osira are the ones who are involved with each other just given yeah i, I got that vibe in this scene mm. I, I got that vibe too but then i also when later on he's talking about uh, talking about it and and when she's talking about it i didn't get the same vibe so i don't know 
Yeah, I wasn't sure if they were just trying to keep it on the down low or or what, because she seemed to know more about him and care a little bit more than uh, just the. the well, your, I got I got the impression that script. I got the impression that like he said that later on he said that he found her when she was ten or or found him when he was ten or something and yeah his parents and, brought him to her when she yeah. was in charge and he was ten yeah and and she saw the potential in him and kept him alive and whatever mm-hmm. in spite of his his um, limits right yeah right right. Uh, so this is where the discussion comes up about regarded to the spore drive where Stamets, my interpretation here is Stamets is trying to like really downplay the, oh, like this really can't be replicated technology, right? Cause yeah. one, you would need a tardigrade, which is what we were using before. And guess what? Those are, um, those are extinct. I don't think that he actually knows this. This is me commentary here. Mm. I think he's just saying like, look, dude, we like ran into one and we've never seen another one. And, uh, uh assuming that they're, uh, you know, just running around the universe and a very common thing. Like, I think this is a little bit of a lie here to, to try to downplay, like, how easy would it be to replicate, right? Um, and he uh, hears from the engineer that, like, you know, hey, uh, you have tardigrade DNA inside you. Stan was like, oh, so, well, you'd have to kill me to get it out. And guy's like, no, no, actually, we could probably just grow tardigrade cells. It's so much yeah, better. There was some than, sort like, of happy accident but... thing that happened where he, there was some, some sort of weird, he got bit by a radioactive spider or something like that. There was something. Don't you remember there was something weird about him in particular in season one when they're first developing the spore drive? For Stamets? I, yeah. I thought they had just said, oh, we'll, we'll merge it together. Did he, did he get bitten by the radioactive tardigrade? No, there was, some, there was some, there was some, like, because he does say that in the sh- in this episode, there's there was some thing that happened that you can't replicate. That's what he said in the in the episode. And Because I, I vaguely remember there was some, cause why him? Why can't they just, you know, get another person less valuable as a character to be the, you know, spore drive person? right there was something in season one yeah it's a good question and i guess as we're spitballing on there it's like well we know that they can clone people right like way 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 back they cloned um uh, engineer Tucker from Enterprise so that they could get some some living body parts from him, from the clone. So I don't think it'd be unreasonable to clone tardigrade Stamitzes and then put the little brain control box on them. That might be a yeah. really unethical, but very doable sort of way of, of getting the spore drive to work. Uh, oh, so going back into diehard mode, we have uh, Michael you know, having to avoid the captors and eventually they uh, figure out where she's at. She's in the Jeffries tube, so they are very smart to say, well, if you go in through these, you know, five different Jeffries tubes, you can corner her, right? Uh, but Michael uh, starts a fire to cause the fire suppression protocol initiatives to uh, to initiate and flush out the captor regulator, uh, which is pretty interesting. I think her boots went with her too, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I actually wrote it down as uh, Burnham gives her enemies the boot. She's <laughs> holding on. She's, I think she's... this further goes down the uh, the, the diehard yeah. thing because he's like, you know, uh, shoeless the entire movie when, yeah. when the whole thing happens and and michael sends uh, a little communique to zara that's essentially the yippie kaye <laughs> scene from die hard is how i wrote this down yeah absolutely it's, no you're right it is it was their their little homage to to die hard uh back over in the conference room um apparently is a very nice fruit plate that uh admiral vance and and osira can eat from uh admiral vance apparently has not eaten a real app or he's only had replicated ones and he's like you know it's made of our feces you know but <laughs> Uh, and that's not the word he uses either atrocities for it so. yeah he, he says it in a much more blunt uh, four-letter word which yeah. is it, it was and, a and very, very funny he takes the apple out of her mouth right? yeah exactly <laughs> I, uh, I I thought it was kind of interesting how uh, Osiris was like, look, 
you need to validate our way of life, the Emerald Chain's way of life, by acknowledging that capitalism is happening within the Federation already. As an example, Deep Space 253, that has apparently been trading with the Emerald Century, uh, Emerald Chain for almost a century, I think is what she says. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, but this is where the, the cool sort of stuff started, starts to happen with the negotiations where Vance, you know, he says like, all right, interesting ideas. Good. Um, good thoughts here. Well, I'm going to need the Emerald Chain to uh, to step away from Quezon and, and not be oppressing those people. It's a show of good faith. This is around the time that uh, both Osira and Admiral Vance have their underlings come in to let Vance and Osira know the situation that's going on on, on the disco. And um, Osira pulls out this interesting, uh, call it a contract, it's more like a treaty, where, you know, they, being the Emerald Chain, commit to avoiding prime directive violations, and they have a 15-year walk back from Quezon and other worlds like it, right? So uh, trying to compromise as, as politicians here. And an end to slavery at that. Yeah, yeah. Because he calls her out on her slavery too, right? I yeah. often wondered about that too, because because they never really talk about the Orion. I mean, the first appearance of the Orion slave girl is in, in the original pilot, right? True, true. Yeah, and they, they make a point of saying that uh, in previous episodes, well, you know, it, weren't the Orions previously slaves? And said, no, that was ancient history. We, that's not how we are anymore, you know? So it's, it's how the tables have turned, right? Right, right, right. Uh, back within the, the little ready room prison, um, Rin, the Andorian, is, is going to hack the life sensors on board the Discovery to make it look like there are thousands on board. I mean, essentially just replaying all the all the sensor records for everybody who's ever been on board, right? Cause, cause chaos for the uh, the regulators. And uh, uh, Book and Rin are going to stay behind with their guns to sort of hold down the little fort there while the disco bridge crew dash out of the room to uh, to go cause some chaos. Back over in engineering, uh, Aurelio and Stamets are arguing over whether something is a hijacking or hostage taking. Uh, we get a, a sob story uh, from Aurelio about his genetic defect and uh, about there not being really a role for science uh, in what he does in a very difficult to travel universe, which is quite a bit different than the, the era that uh, the disco came from. Uh, Michael comes in to stun uh, Aurelio and and the guard back over elsewhere. Uh, Rin and Book prepare for their their door to be breached. Way back, oh man, there's so many cuts. Way back over engineering, Stamets refuses to uh, to leave the spore drive because he wants to be ready to jump back ASAP. Right, he's very concerned for uh, Culber and uh, and Adira uh, for sure. Right, like who he considers uh, part of his his collective uh, family unit. Yeah, and he makes that but, plea to to uh, Aurelio earlier on. He sort of says, you know, I see you have a family. I have a family too they're back in the nebula i need to get back to them or you know they're gonna die i'm gonna lose my whole family but he makes the first he makes the plea to aurelio and then balls it up later with the, the plea to uh burnham right 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 a uh, little vulcan nerve pinch here saves the day yeah that, vulcan uh, nerve pinch. <laughs> michael's able to, to subdue him for a bit Back over in the conference room, we have Vance reading the uh, the docs that, that he was provided while Osira wonders who the hollow is based on, uh, based upon Eline's, uh, not based on anybody, uh, very different from the old, uh, like EMH that was based on a real person or persons. And uh, apparently these are computer generated in the, like, this person does not exist.com sort of, uh, sort of way. <laughs> 
Yep. Sort of interesting and weird there. Uh, and here Vance is like, all right, this is cool. Uh, interesting compromise here. Um, who's going to be the official face of the Emerald Chain? And uh, Osiris says her scientist Aurelio. But guess what? Mori Povich, that was a lie. Uh, because actually, uh, she's essentially going to be sort of the, the puppet master, mm-hmm. right? And and to counter this, Vance is saying like, hey, look, in order for this to work properly, uh, I'm going to need you to stand trial for your crimes to send a message, right? Right. Um, you know, the, the burn left us with scarcity that clouds our moral clarity. And we need to sort of work past that. And the only way to work past that is you got to stand trial for your stuff. And Osiris really not happy with that. Right. She, she definitely uh, wasn't on the up and up with this. Uh, hey, we should all combine together and be happy friends sort of thing. Shows he ends up uh, back on the bridge of the disco because uh, this this conference has not gone as well as she had hoped. And Book and Rin have been captured. Uh, there's some nastiness that's about to happen. So Syra wants Aurelia off the bridge. So he doesn't have to witness this. Um, she goes over to, to threaten Rin, who uh, suddenly has grown a spine, as she notes. Yeah, Aurelia and stays on the bridge, by the way. Just Yeah, he, stays. he does. This is, this is important because uh, it's very clear that she's going to kill him, uh, or at least is very much in danger of that happening. So Book sort of breaks down and says, look, man, look, look, the, the, the dilithium is in the Ruben Nebula. That's why we're there. It's totally dangerous, but, you know, I've got a chart that like a uh, path that I made through that we, it's totally doable. And so I was like, all right, that's cool. And then just very coldly and casually kills Rin, like obliterates him, disintegrates him with notably Aurelio on the bridge seeing this. And, and he was the one who was like, well, you know, she's not as bad as, as people say, right? And it seems like that's not true. She's definitely way worse than, than he thinks, whatever yeah. his view of her is. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Michael is uh, off somewhere else. I'm not exactly sure where she is on the ship, but she's uh, trying to get Stamets safely off the ship by putting him in a, in a kinder egg of, of sorts <laughs> and setting a, a phaser to blow up so it'll blow a hole in the in the hull and suck him out safely ensconced in this. Uh, you know what it reminded me of is the the transport mechanism from Galaxy Quest. Where they yeah, sort of encase yeah. him. Yeah, yeah, encase yeah, him in a, yeah. in a container and, and shoot him out. I got the uh, the hook system from uh dark knight uh the dark knight where you know he's, he's trying to apprehend the guy in hong kong and he oh right, right he has right. basically just like you know the hook comes and just basically like picks him off the roof and pulls drags him away yeah. um so yeah so stamets is not asleep because we did mention that he was rolling nerf but he had woken up he's like desperately telling michael not to do this he wants to jump back they're gonna die and she's like look man you you can't be captured like i understand that your your, your situation but we can't let them destroy the Federation by having control of the spore drive. So he gets, uh, he gets sucked out in, in the little container and tractor beamed in, I think, when yep. I was taken from elsewhere. Yeah, and he plays, he plays it really hard there, too. He says, you know, we sacrificed for you. We came back for you so you wouldn't be alone. We're with you. We're your family. Don't do this. Don't make me lose my family. I already lost you once. I can't lose him again. Like she, He's really, really playing it hard. And she's moved, you know, again, good acting by both of them. Uh, you know, he, she's, she's tearing up. She knows how hard this decision is um, you know what she has to do but she is thinking of the greater good and he's thinking of his family yeah yeah uh we do end up with uh zara pulling a gun on michael so she is is captured when we get here towards the end of the episode we go elsewhere as the bridge crew has uh beaten up some regulators and gotten access uh to some guns where they see and hear some weird sounds so they're all there ready guns you know double fisting the guns and ready to shoot stuff and what do we see but 
but uh, those cute little repair robots come out of the uh, out of the shadows, and uh, apparently that's where the sphere data is has been hiding, maybe in some sort of network. So they're they're all ready to to kick butt and chew bubblegum, and that's where we end the episode. <laughs> Take names, yeah, yeah. The the dot twenty threes they call them the dot twenty threes. Right, right. So a couple of things here. Just I wanted to just follow up on um, Stamets, and I'm going to read from Memory Alpha. It says that uh, he was a Discovery Spore Drive specialist and the first to make the Spore Drive travel viable um, by making him using himself as an organic navigation computer, um, mm. but you know making him an invaluable uh, or making the, the ship an invaluable asset, right? And then, but his frequent exposures to mycelial plane led him to exist partially outside the universe's normal flow of time um, and caused progressive ne- neurological damage to him. And, and there was a point there where Lorca made him jump into the uh, the made him do one jump one jump too many. You remember there was a this, an episode? yeah he makes him do like mm-hmm. fifty six jumps or something like yeah, that. Yeah, right? yeah. So they end up in the mirror universe, um, and that's when he ends up catatonic. And it is Ensign Tilly that you know gets him out of that um, that situation. Um, so, but yeah, using his knowledge, he's able to plan. He planned to return back to the prime universe, destroying the super mycelial reactor of the Terran Empire flagship ISS Karun. Mm. Yeah, so he's he's sort of like he doesn't exist, you know, because of because of his overexposure to the Mycelial network. He's no longer just a guy, right? Yep. So they can't they can't really replicate that, you know, the the that sort of knowledge that he has, right? Yeah. Unique knowledge. Yeah, I wanted to uh the, I have one statement and one question. I just wanted to shout out uh the actor who plays Admiral Vance, Odette Fair. I thought this was a really great episode for him really good performance he really i think he crushed it i thought he was really really good he's kind of popped in and he's had some good sort of ups and downs and he's been a bit of an evolving character but the interactions and the and the interplay between him and osira in this episode you know and the fact that he isn't just a complete fool like in some of these episodes he would have been the fool who was fooled by the ruse and he's sort of very very wary very very and and I think they built that like they built that character so you could see him behaving the way he did through that whole experience of I'm waiting till the very last second to make this call and then once they're through and they still haven't gotten it figured out he figures it all out really fast and is basically like get guns on that ship right now and is basically like if it's got to come down to it we are blowing that thing to smithereens like, I thought it was good and then the whole interaction with uh, Osira I thought both of the actors although I found her accent kept popping in and out and it made me want to punch my television screen because she i don't know if she is naturally british she's from toronto okay well her accent dipped into like almost a british accent like four times and i was like I why she was kind of doing like an orion kind of thing right so I, yeah but it was inconsistent like it was just that's mm. the thing like pick yeah, if you're gonna yeah. do an accent yeah. pick an accent and go for it if you're not gonna do an accent don't do it but she kind of waffled a little bit and that was but kind she of does have that head. sort of i i kind of i i know what you mean like there there definitely is an incantation or affectation yeah there's an affectation somewhere in there but and but i think it i think it's supposed to be something unique to her to her um species right yeah again i get i get that she was making a choice but if you're going to make a choice commit to the choice right and she didn't she was Mm -hmm. kind of all over the place which was Mm -hmm. a little grating by the end i was like stop that stop doing uh, that maybe that's the whole point of this character maybe she's supposed to like because she like here's this this character that everybody fears right Mm. 
knows her and here she is meeting Vance for the first time and she's totally snowing him with this armistice treat treat you know, treaties and, and all that kind of stuff and and uh, mm-hmm. you know she's able to evade fool the the thing into saying she's lying right mm-hmm. in fact she even says let me try that again when when he does call her out for lying about uh, who's going to really be in control right yeah and you're right so- it was an interesting interesting thing because i'm kind of wondering like okay when is the shoe going to drop or what right you know because you know are they just gonna you know shake hands and have a good time from now on and, and i was waiting for vance to sort of make uh you know to decide or, or not decide or something you know mm. you're right it was it was probably the best episode for him for sure yeah yeah i thought so both, mm. both as an actor and as a like he, he gets a meat to chew on right and he did really well the two questions i had the first one is do you guys think that she was earnest or was this all just a snow job that she was basically gonna say yo we'll all be pals and then she was gonna stick a knife in them or do you think she was earnest in you know i'm forcing my way in here to get your attention but i really do want to negotiate for peace because eli does you know validate right he says no she's telling the truth yeah this is this is where i kind of thought what i thought was happening was she was going to do the whole you know yeah we can be pals and yes we'll we'll have all these concessions and stuff like that and yes whatever but but you're right i mean the or or the writers were right in saying that there was never any sort of discussion about okay who's actually going to be the face of this who's going to be the ultimate power behind it and it sounded like you know um like in canadian politics we had a, a power play like this jaime where we had two conservative parties that came together and um the one the one guy who was like the the last person you would want to be the one who gets to step forward and be the face of the party the new party was it turned out to be stephen harper who eventually became our prime minister so we've lived through this whole situation already right yeah they, they basically mm. portrayed themselves as you know oh Friendly and you good know, for canada and yeah it was like well this one part of the party is more extreme and hardcore conservative the one part is more sort of medium conservative we're going to merge the party and then it'll be something in between like yeah. no basically you were a trojan horse and you guys were the really ultra conservative ones the whole time yeah so i think i think that's what i kind of i kind of got the impression that there had to be some reason i mean she her her approach was yeah we neither one of us has dilithium let's you know sort of like be nice i mean because it was kind of a surprise to me as to what that she actually wanted to have negotiate for peace or you know um but that to me sounded like something of a you know the ruse of you know we'll we'll, we'll come in and we'll be friends and all that kind of stuff and at the last minute we'll you know we'll show our teeth right sort of thing yeah which is a typical vehicle in, in a lot of these kind of storylines right where there's always some you know like they, they, they can't change a leopard spots is the expression i'm thinking of you know where yeah, yeah. you're always gonna you're always gonna be you know she couldn't have got to where she is today without breaking a few she wouldn't have made that omelet without breaking a few eggs right i don't want to yeah. mix too many metaphors how about you jaime what, uh, what was your take on this i i think it might be sincere but in the well if i can if i can take over things without having to shoot everyone that's a pretty good con right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i can convince the convince the enemy that uh, this is all for their benefit um i don't know i given that she's she's prone to just killing folks like rin I, it's hard to tell that she actually would be of the kind to to be sinister and pull things uh pull uh strings from behind the scenes um or or what like i could go either way it's, it's kind of 
50 50 to me whether it was uh you know uh just a ploy to do what exactly you know maybe trick them to come in with the with their guns not ready and then you shoot them in the back or if it was a well if i can be the one controlling things from behind the scenes i'm effectively the queen without any of the responsibility right and i, I can control everything as the emperor empress so not not sure mm-hmm. uh, hard to hard to make a bet on that one yeah the other question i had is a, is a pretty simple one but it was simply why the hell was rin with them when they were out exploring the the Rudin nebula and, and all that stuff clearly aboard the ship because he's a prisoner uh in this episode why the hell was he on the ship they brought him back to federation headquarters why did they bring him back out for that mission it makes no sense wait a minute so mm, you, you mean he, he wasn't on discovery the whole time or he wasn't well he was theoretically he was he was on discovery the whole time but they rescued him from slavery book, yeah, when they rescued yeah. book yeah and they brought him back and he shared information with the federation right. and then he what he just they give him a room on discovery and he gets to hang out <laughs> and, and they're like him we're, and, going, uh, on a, him and Grudge, we're going right? on a mission to this very dangerous part of the there's room, a whole bunch of people room. living in in the the shuttle bay right we've discussed yeah this like I, I just don't understand why it would make no sense to me why he would still be aboard the ship other than a plot convenience like it, right. to me it just it was very incongruous when he showed up at the beginning of this episode i thought he wasn't in the last episode why the hell would he have been on discovery when they had gotten him to a safe place where you know like he was enslaved they cut off his antennae like he was you know all these different things why was he still on the ship but to me it didn't make any story logical sense other than we wanted to be there so he can get dusted by osira later yeah trekking back where he was at so he was on discovery at least when um when tilly yeah sort of asks him like hey yes, what, they what's were, going they were on in, right? they were having lunch or something and she came and sat with him yeah she comes and sits with him and and that but even in that episode you're like well wouldn't he have logically been taken into the federation custody and and they would have debriefed him and then said okay you're uh you, you know you're gonna need asylum we'll we'll set you up somewhere here you can you know you've been enslaved you've been butchered uh you know put your feet up and take it easy for a little bit and we'll maybe they were for keeping orion around. information they were keeping him around for this last stand with with book obviously oh i i mean i get it i guess <laughs> I, I mean and that's why the writers kept him on the ship right yeah i don't know to me it just seemed, it seemed incongruous it just didn't make a lot of sense so this is an is interesting it? interesting thing i i think we should in, uh, acknowledge noah averbach cats cats who plays rin mm. um toronto's own canada's Ooh. own um because i have a feeling he'll be back in another role and the reason why i say that is you know aurelio is mm. played by kevin kenneth mitchell who mm-hmm. played call Cole in the first nine episodes of discovery oh. yeah so they seem to be recycling it's good i guess it's good for good to be an actor in toronto yeah, young, yeah. you know young you know able-bodied um actor in toronto because who's willing know, to put on a lot of makeup yeah because you're getting you're getting you're getting roles right well in this case yeah. he wasn't really didn't have makeup on but yeah yeah no well, i mean but then we could bring back the guy who played uh, rin noah could come back and yeah you know different alien different time he we established that right the guy who's played linus has played like three different parts and yeah yeah linus well go toronto casting woo mm-hmm. who's linus played else otherwise uh i think we established he played um another alien 
in a oh, previous right. episode because we looked him up. I looked him up when we were talking about him during the episode where his skin was peeling off. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So this was part two of the three-part finale? Sort of bonanza finale. Yeah, bonanza um, finale. Yeah. I, I must admit, halfway through the episode, I was I wrote down a note that said, "What is this unification part four? Like, what's the?" <laughs> she, she comes to him and is like, "We should unify. We should become the new federation." I was like, "I think the most uh, telegraphed thing was, of course, that Burnham sends the transmission to her mother, right?" Yeah, it's yeah. You know that to me is it immediately sort of says, you know, oh, okay, well, you know, because she says Mayday, and then she sends the the transmission through subspace to her mom. Okay, so does that mean that her mom and we're going to get a, a reunion with the? Um, well, her mother is in her mother is in 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 the bubble, right? Because it wasn't she is, when they had um, when Michael was on trial. When where was she on trial in that episode with the three? Oh, was it the new Romulus Vulcan homeworld? Right. Oh, okay, yeah. So she's not even in this bubble thing. No, she's not. Her mom is actually back living with the, um, what's the name of the, the religious order? I can't recall it off the top of my head. Yeah, the Candor people. Yes, the, the way of ultimate candor. Mm-hmm. I'll go back. I have my notes right here. Um, but yeah, she she's back there with them, so to me, that seems like it's a telegraph for the next episode of, you know, hey, we're going to Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're going to do this. Tracy Pollard. Niv- Nivar. Yes, Nivar. Um, yes, Kawat Milat. Kawat Milat. Yeah. yeah, so I, I wonder if we're going to get, you know, the the Navar to the rescue. They've obviously they've made this, you know, stand. I did think it was interesting that they didn't uh, go back and show us what was happening with Saru and Culber. But I think it was a good choice in the, the way that they told this story. And we've talked about the way that they've sort of done these episodes you know we talked about the sort of one with emperor emperor georgiao and how they were sort of trying to weave that in with the plot of what was happening in the the you know the universe regular prime universe in this case i think it makes a lot of sense because it really does lend an imperative to stamets's urgency right like he's saying oh my god we've got to get back they're gonna die they're gonna die and last we saw was basically you know stamets was freaking out because Culber and Saru and Adira are behind. So when he's like, oh my god, we gotta get there, in our minds we don't really have a sense of how long all this is taking, but we know that it's taking so long that things are not going to be good for the the three of them who are there, right? So I think mm-hmm. as a storytelling method, I think that really worked in this case, as opposed to sort of popping back and forth and interweaving those two stories. I think actually completely removing them from this episode really does add that emotional heft to how he's feeling, because we're feeling it too. Hey, what's happening with Culber? What's happening with Saru? What's happening with Adira? Are they going to be okay? Although, having seen the effectiveness of those anti-radiation meds that they gave to uh, Burnham at the beginning of the episode, I think, well, Adira had those. They're going to need those. Maybe they'll be fine that way too yeah they made a point of having her in the in uh, popping them in her mouth and beaming out on the yeah yeah in the preview, in the preview. Right? Yeah, yeah yeah it'll be interesting to see how they wrap all this up it's been an interesting season and they've woven together you know the trip to the future new worlds new characters the mystery of the burn it's been a the big busy season yeah it, yeah the dilithium thing it's been a really big busy season with a lot of stuff to chew on and it's yeah. so far i think been pretty sad satisfying mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see how they are able to land this although i think again they sort of telegraphed that if they're bringing back some of these characters next season that you know uh you know not like they're going to change the status quo like they did last year where things flash forward it sounds like they're going to find some sort of resolution within this 
time period and and uh, and go forward from there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Care to care to postulate? Anybody have any thoughts on how this is all going to wrap up? They all live happily ever after. Well, they're going to go back and they're going to find them like you know huddled around with like a space blanket around them to keep keep themselves warm. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, like again, how are they going to convince? They could almost do a whole episode to convince um, the young kid, the Calpian kid, to leave it, you know and go outside, right? Yeah, yeah. see call. Yeah, yeah, and then they also have to deal with with um you know the the andorian taking over the ship right not andorian um the ryan's yeah. ryan taking over the ship yeah uh they have to deal with jack weber too who plays zara yeah it'll be interesting to see how they if i think the thing that i'm most interested to know is is this season going to eliminate the threat of the emerald chain or is this going to be a victory over the emerald chain and the emerald chain are going to continue to be a thorn in the side of this the discovery and the federation for a few more seasons I think that will be the real sort of telling thing. Yeah. I personally would prefer if this was a a small victory so that it's not just, oh, and, and Osiris is beaten and the chain is dissolved and it's all fine. And, you know, like I really kind of want it to be, mm-hmm. you know, I like the idea of an overarching. I, I, I like seasonal villains. I like the idea that, you know, you you know you have a Lorca, evil Lorca, mirror Lorca or whatever, and then you defeat him and he dies and you move on. Mm-hmm. And in season two, of course, we got the whole, you know, oh, we got to get out of here. This, you know, this is, you know, section 31 slash, you know, the, the we are not Borg Borgs. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if this is something that is setting up a longer term future or if it is going to be something that is just reconciled and then they start fresh again in season four. Have you? interested to see how they wrap things up because we've we've talked about the hold my beer moments that discovery (laughs) tends to get into (laughs) with season one and season two and i thought they were on a pretty good pace for season three but they've they've built up quite a bit here to to take care of in the in the last hour or even hour and a half Mm -hmm. think they'll kill culber again how ballsy would that be oh man i can only imagine the the letters they'll be getting like well you know well we killed one gay but we brought other uh you know lgbtq plus characters in so it's okay like is it right. yeah <laughs> oh my gosh that'd be so terrible oh my god they went that route yeah but then of course you know we, we joke about it but you know and and actually we had some great interaction this week thanks to tim with uh reka sharma who they keep bringing back and killing right um seems like she's got a good sense of humor about it but um yeah let's keep bringing back cobra and killing him off again yeah well i mean you know how can they keep this going like yeah there's a, there's a lot to wrap up in this in this one one uh well that's why i say i think it would be better i think it would be better for sort of cementing this as the status quo of the them in the future and them as part of the bigger whole and the federation and and starfleet if it was a small victory if it was just hey osira got away but we retook the ship we saved this kid we figured out the burn now let's go forward from here i I feel like if they tried to wrap all this up i feel like it's going to be challenging to do that well in an hour and 10 minutes or whatever it is are you guys ready to move on to wonder woman so all of us got a chance to watch wonder woman 1984 jaime got the hbo max package so he got that as a, a bonus for having a month of that tim you and i each spent the 30 canadian dollars to rent for 48 hours uh 
Wonder Woman. I watched it this afternoon with my son. I think for me, I found it more consistent than the first Wonder Woman. And people might be wondering, what? I am one of the I'm one of the contrarians that <laughs> says I like the first two thirds of Wonder Woman and then really feel uh Oh the battle with the god you didn't really like that part? Yeah, I didn't really like how the the last the final third ended up that movie. So um for me I find it's it's very even across the board. Um now I don't know that it reaches the highs of Wonder Woman because it does to me feel like it's got that um like that nineteen eighties superhero sort of cheese going for it. Mm. Yeah. It's not necessarily a bad thing. I just don't think that it um I don't think it really sat with me as a movie that I'm gonna like watch repeatedly, you know. Yeah. How about I think you too? It was interesting from a from the point of view of, of how you look at Wonder Woman as a character, um, in that she refuses to uh, hurt people. Like, you know, um she 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 avoids killing people, she avoids, you know, she breaks guns rather than using them on people mm-hmm. throughout the whole movie. She's got a sort of very different perspective against crime fighting, as it were. Well, you could make an argument that it's the female perspective over the male perspective, well, right? Well, I was, you know, I was, yeah, I was kind of alluding to that without spelling it out in so many terms, you know? Yeah, yeah. To be politically correct here, but um, yeah, I mean, that's the impression I got is like it, it's sort of like you, you don't have to kill and maim and and what. And then, uh, by the way, I did watch Dead, Deadpool too, which probably does enough killing in the first five <laughs> minutes, but um, and dismemberment and whatever. Yep. But uh, uh, yeah, so. I, I mean, I definitely did notice that that sort of thing too, and and uh, and it, it was it's interesting. I was reading through the IMDb stuff, and I, and I didn't realize that. I mean, obviously, I haven't read the books on Wonder Woman, but apparently, like a lot of the characters, Cheetah and um, Max Lord, are characters from from the stories from the comic books, right? Yes, they are. And Although uh, different yeah. takes, obviously. I mean, yeah, the there's movie... a different dude that has the wish power, and yeah, yeah, the movies sort of take it a different direction, and they and they merge, you know, twenty five stories into one. And, and, and the story which of you noted was so the story was by patty jenkins and by jeff johns jeff johns is um someone who i know and he's someone who um has really the last 20 years really been one of the defining forces for dc storytelling both in films television and in the comics so this mm-hmm. is somebody who really sort of gets this stuff and i think he was sort of yeah cherry picking wonder woman stories uh and working with with patty and, and telling a really good um, right. amalgamation uh, although right. um, you know you can debate whether or not all of it came together well mm-hmm. i liked all of the the 70s and 80s references that were in the the show i mean the word was very similar to what you would what you would kind of see um a little bit over the top apparently that the the store in the beginning where the girls are shoplifting was actually a really a store in in washington back then it was sold punk and new wave stuff nice yeah and uh, so that was kind of a callback it's that store has been long gone but uh, hmm. apparently people in the area and i don't know if you noticed or not I, I posted this on on imdb as i said earlier i was putting some stuff in wonder woman is inside the water watergate hotel that's oh, the, yeah that that building that that curve, you know, where she's on yep. the balcony. So that, that, so I don't know. I mean, I don't know if it became a condo at some point or whatever. It did, but, yeah. It's no longer a hotel. It's a, it's a. But building. in the eighties though, I mean, cause it was very much the, in the seventies, that's where the whole Watergate thing happened. Obviously that's yeah, I, his name. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah. So th- I thought that was cool. I've been to the, I've been to the gallery that they go to he and her. Um, I've been in that, I've been in that um, subway the tunnel that they were museum. in. Yeah. It's all, that's all. And of course I've been to the airspace museum as well too. Right. So yeah. somebody pointed out on 
IMDb that that there's a, you can see Steve Austin's uh, ship that uh, he crashes in and becomes a six million dollar man, but that wasn't actually that was that accident wasn't really for made for six million dollar man. That was a real accident, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? And that mm. ship is that is the real you know version of that test ship that was you know um, crashed, not intentionally crashed, but it hangs in the Smithsonian. But yeah, it's not it's not just a thing for Steve Austin, right? But yeah, yeah, and, and I've seen you know, and, and there are literally people walking around and dressed as as astronauts and inside they're talking about you know because yeah. I met I met one of the guys and was talking about layers of fabric and stuff because I knew Carol would be fascinated by that, right? So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but yeah, I, I you know it, it was a good movie from that point of view. I mean, I got a it's a little I was a little tired of the concept, you know. I don't I don't know um, maybe it was like the eighties concept, like which concept? Well, no, the whole the whole you know I'll grant you the wish sort of thing. Um, mm. Mm. I know it kind of it kind of got old real fast you know like it's just yeah, sort of Midas I, I, touch and whatever right yeah I found the metaphor I mean the metaphor obviously was you know it was very tied to the 1980s right the whole idea was this is you know uh, you know greed is good you should always want more like it really did speak to that culture of the time too so I, I get what they were going for in the sort of larger overarching um, you know bigger better more was was of the time I'm not well, sure and, they and it, nailed it yeah yeah that was a good that was a good point it was very much the the me sort of thing right Uh, yeah i mean um, and everybody has something they want and it's it's never something simple right you know the the president wants some more missiles to do you know mm -hmm. like all these different layers of it and and of course the ultimate depiction of that is the maxwell lord character who is you know i want more i want it all i want everything Mm -hmm. and then he comes to realize over time that what he wants is is the most simple thing that's been at his fingertips the whole time um so you know not not bad in from that perspective my i guess issue with it was it was a very long drawn out way to get there <laughs> i mean in the movie uh, or, or waiting for the seven or eight releases no no the movie itself i mean you know it is what it is you know i think this would have been a fine thing to see in the theaters i wouldn't have re- regret i don't regret spending the money that we spent on it today and i, I wouldn't have well, regretted I, spending I, the money some in the IMAX theater scenes, obviously we didn't get to enjoy right yeah i mean c'est la vie that's you know it, there are far far bigger casualties uh, in the world of uh, we living in right now than than not being able to enjoy a movie like this on a big screen yeah. it is what yeah. it is but um so the the movie opens and we'll just say you know minor spoilers i won't get too far into yeah. it but the movie opens with a very big action sequence with wonder woman uh trying to sort of be on the down low but also be the hero where she's you know she sort of stops a crime in progress and everyone's like ooing and awing and it's very 1980s and the way that people are dressed and the place that she is and everything and she's you know it's it's probably you know six seven minutes this sort of action sequence where she she foils this crime and then we really sort of settle into well let's let's sort of see what uh her civilian life is like let's talk learn about her work Let's learn about, you know, uh, we get introduced to Kristen Wiig as Barbara Minerva, Dr. Barbara Minerva. And then we sort of go through all these different layers of that. I did not strictly time it, but I did passively time it. And it between when she has that opening sequence and the next time we see her as Wonder Woman in action is over an hour. And I just found myself thinking, like, that is a sign that maybe you're trying to, I don't know, maybe, maybe they thought, well, you know, we've already done the 
first movie. We don't have to get into as much of this stuff. We could actually take some time and get to know what's going on with her, and we can introduce the char- other characters. We we spend a lot of time with Doctor Minerva, who I think was a pretty compelling character, and I, I really like Kristen Wiig as an actress, mm-hmm. and I thought she was really actually quite compelling in this role. And then we spent a lot of time getting to know Pedro Pascal as Max Lord um, outside the helmet for the first time we've seen him in a while. And it just really, it, it just turned into like a drama for a while there. And then, of course, we get, you know, the, the um, you know, the big sort of surprise, which is not really a surprise. It's been in all the trailers of, of uh, you know, the return of Steve Trevor. It's just a long wait. It was a long movie with not enough Wonder Woman. And, and it is the bottom line. I, I get what they were going for. I get, you know, and there's some value, I guess, in trying to sort of understand the motivations of Dr. Minerva, understand the motivations of Maxwell Lord, understand even the motivations of, of Wonder Woman. But for a Wonder Woman picture, there wasn't enough Wonder Woman for me. Really? And yeah. and I felt like, yeah, the, the sort of, you know, be careful what you wish for. I, I thought it was very funny that the movie sort of bookended with, um, so the scene that opens the film is, is a young Diana on Themyscira and she is competing against women. She's probably, what, 10? Yeah, 12. Uh, the actress is 12. Yeah. Uh, uh, competing against women in this sort of competition and she uh, ends up, you know, uh, through no fault of her own, ends up um, having to cheat at one point and then Robin Wright's character pulls, sort of pulls her down and says, you know, you can't win. You cheated. Cheaters never prosper. And the, the punchline to that is at the end of the movie, cheetahs never prosper. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was a nice little sort of bookend to that one. Well, there was also the bookend of of the you know you can't you can't have you can't always have what you want. You can't take the easy way. And then when she's um, semi spoiler there, when she's facing off at the end with with Max Lord, mm-hmm. she comes to that same realization, and and she can't have what she ultimately wants, right? Yeah, and, and she convinces you know everybody else of the same story, or the same thing, right? Yeah, and it's, I don't know, it's funny, because I think what really made the first movie work was the chemistry, well, (laughs) I think the chemistry between uh, Diana and Steve Trevor, and the chemistry between Chris Pine and Gal Gadot was great, and I think that really kind of made the first movie sing, and I think that's why the third act is a little bit weak, is it just sort of turns into this sort of like, you know, big spectacle lightning bite thing. Yeah, the gold gold suit was a bit much, but I, I suppose that, you know... Well, in, I, I, I meant the first. I meant in the first movie, but even in this one. Oh, but yeah. but I think it was the sort of awkwardness of Steve Trevor, you know, first on Themyscira, and then with her as this sort of godlike being in 1916 World War II, uh, World War One kind of world, and her sort of fish out of waterness there. In this one, they sort of flipped it where she's used to this, but he was the fish out of water. Right, and it's funny and it works, but they don't really do much with it and it just kind of lacked a little bit of that charm and i I know I've, I've read a little bit of the this, you know, obviously the, the movie is sort of, you know, some people think it's perfectly fine and some people think it's not nearly as good. And one of the big criticisms was, well, she spends this whole movie not making the right decisions because of a guy, that it's not a very good feminist message in a female centric movie, you know, written by, co-written by a woman, directed by a woman, starring a woman, to have it revolve around her being hung up on a guy and not being able to make the right decisions because she's hung up on a guy and i get that i completely respect that perspective but i also think 
But is it about the guy or about the person she loves? That's I, I guess that's where where I approached it from was this is the love of her life. You know, she says, I will never love another person. He says, no, 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 you should love another person. And she says, you know, like, I I haven't loved any, anybody since you. And at this point, it's supposed to be like, you know, 70 years, uh, give or take. You know, she says, you know, yeah, I've never loved anybody else. I'm never going to love anybody else. So I guess I am a maybe more forgiving and I'm sure that's my male perspective. But yeah, I just found like the the love story wasn't strong enough to hold it together. The fish out of water stuff wasn't strong enough to hold it together. They didn't have enough action to hold it together. Overall, I'd say it was a, a perfectly enjoyable movie. It was, you know, a solid three out of five stars, right? Like, yeah. there's, mm-hmm. I wouldn't poke holes in it. I would, I mean, I got poke holes in it, but I wouldn't put it in the can and I wouldn't elevate it to a pedestal, but it's perfectly fine. I think this was as good as Aquaman. I think this was as good, probably in its way, as the first Wonder Woman movie. I, I get why people would, you you know, sort of say, well, you know, Max Lord and Cheetah as villains, maybe that's not as strong. Although I, I thought the Cheetah stuff was fine. I, you know, the idea that that this person was so beaten down by her life that she was not willing to sort of go back and become the person she was before. And, and okay, I can get the motivations behind that. And I think the fact that they did spend that time developing her character made those choices valid. Pedro Pascal was just a scene devouring monster in this movie. Like his his performance was wildly over the top yeah, yeah. Um, and I've enjoyed him in everything else I've seen him in. I, I'm not sure that this was how I expected him to be in this film. And again, I get that he's being used as this giant metaphor for you know greed is good. You know, he was he was Gordon Gecko whacked out on cocaine totally, and, yeah, yeah. and yeah. and and superpowers, right? Like that's that's essentially what we're dealing with here is you know greed is good, and you know in the end he learns actually you know what I want is this one thing. I, I don't know. I just I, I felt like it just felt like a bit of a wildly uneven movie it was a little bit too long it was a little bit light on action it was a little bit uh thin on humor it just felt like there was just not quite what it could have been maybe yeah it's it's a two and a half hour movie so i think they definitely had plenty of time to to deal with stuff where there are some things that feel a little overpacked uh with other non non wonder woman stuff mm, uh, mm-hmm. to your point there we didn't like well if you trim down some stuff it, it probably could be a pretty solid two hour uh, maybe hour 45 movie and mm-hmm. maybe it might feel different um, mm-hmm. even if you just taken out the Maxwell Lord part and just had it be about the contradiction between Dr. Minerva and and Diana Prince or, or Wonder Woman where they're the sort of two sides of a coin I think you cr- could have probably cobbled something together there again it was the sort of you know adding that layer of this you know avarice seeking man and and you know global calamity and 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 it just felt like it just kind of got out of control yeah um, for for me, I think I kind of wonder how this movie would have done in the theaters, just given the complaints that we've had and the longer running time. Like, I, I think it probably was the better decision to put this on on Max, right? Where for me, it's like, oh, OK, well, I mean, I basically spent my money to to watch this, but I didn't, you know, I ate my own popcorn. I had my own drinks and stuff. Yeah, I didn't right? have any popcorn, though. That was really bothered me. Our popcorn was apparently thrown out. Oh, OK. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I'm just I'm scrolling through the reviews on IMDb and I haven't found a good one yet. Yeah, so yeah, lots of. Um, oh, I didn't look to see what it was like on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, some somebody said it. The most interesting one I saw is why is Wonder Warner Brothers, you know, destroying a gold mine in DC Comics? Sorry, yes, yeah, sixty-one percent for the critics and seventy-four percent for the audience. I gave it three 
three and a half out of five. Yeah, yeah I mean, and I saw some criticism it's saying not a that bad it, movie. I don't think it's a bad no, movie. But no, no it's not. It's not um, the worst DC movie. Somebody, somebody here said it's the worst DC movie they've seen, or superhero movie they've seen. I think they're forgetting Green Green Lantern and there's been some stinkers. Yeah, bro, other there, ones. There yeah, have some been bad some stinkers. There. Yeah, yeah Super, again, three I think or four. At its at its worst, Gal Gadot is a captivating person on screen. Mm-hmm. Chris Pine is very charming, and Kristen Wiig I thought was great. Uh, you know, those three things hold some of this together. There's certainly holes you could poke in this stuff, but no, it's by not by far not the worst of the DC movies, and by far not the worst comic book movie I've ever seen. I think part of our perspective is skewed because, as you pointed out, Tim, it's been talked about for years mm-hmm. now. It's mm-hmm. been built up. It's been delayed. It's going to be in the theaters. We're talking about it. Mm-hmm. I think that is part of the thing. Like, how was it ever supposed to live up to all that after all the delays yeah, and no all way. the changes? And yeah. the weight of it is is very heavy. I think if you had had a bag of popcorn and you'd been in the theater and you'd seen the scenes where you know she's flying through the sky and whipping yeah. her lasso around and doing yeah. that stuff, I still think it would have been a little light on the action personally. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think I think it would have been a perfectly enjoyable film going experience, and I, I think it was a perfectly decent experience here just on a on a television set. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, I, I understand some of the values that people are putting on it from their perspectives and and i don't want to diminish that you know i have heard uh even just from from some of my friends over the last week who are women who have sort of said you know i i wasn't impressed with it and these are the same people who were like when the first one came out saying like it's about effing time right like that we had this strong confident lead who you know is not the sidekick is not you know doing this for men you know like there was a lot of positivity and and you know stuff we haven't seen from female characters in the past and i can see why they would be upset with some of the circumstances of this film but i think as far as comic book movies go from a just broad perspective i don't think it was quite as bad as as maybe some people are making it out to be no and you know i also think too from the the 1980s sort of perspective i mean how do you how do you spoil like how do you solve crime and how do you do research and stuff like that and i mean that from from my perspective that's what it was like back then you had bits and pieces of paper and you looked at them and there was no cell phones and there was no you know way of communicating in that sort of grant like now you just go on there's always a computer on a desk somewhere and somebody goes on google's and whatever right so um i, I thought that the 80s concept was interesting um some you know led to some funny points right uh mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i think i'd have to fact check them on some of the artwork that what they showed in the movie because it might have been uh they might have been installed much later than than the 80s right so well and there was one part that i thought was interesting too where they um now oh, I, I have that watch that Steve Trevor has. Oh, the the, the Seiko. Yeah. Well, I, I don't have a Seiko, but I have a Texas Instrument one like that. Oh, right, right. Yeah, y- yeah. I, I thought it was the one part where um, they were broadcasting the signal. Max Lord is broadcasting a signal to everyone as part of the bigger plot, and it's supposed to reach all the different things. And his son is watching it on an old IBM terminal. IBM yeah. terminal. Yeah. Like at one, those were not color screens. They were one color screen. Screens. They were green, yeah. Yeah, and and two, like it wouldn't have been networked at that point in time, so there's just no world where that makes any sense yeah, at all. So yeah, that one true. took me over a second. I was <laughs> that's like, that's a good good point. I, I I looked up the computer model too because I was putting that on IMDb. But you're totally right. I, I totally noticed that, didn't miss that as a goof. Yeah, yeah. It was you, we like barely one, had animated gifs at that at that time. 
Yeah, I, I started my career as a professional uh, journalist in sure they weren't gifts either. the yeah. mid-90s, and I was still working on a yellow screen TI computer. Mm-hmm. This is 1984. There's no world wherein that thing is A, networked, B, that quality, C, yeah. uh, you know, uh, color. Like, none of that made sense to me at all. I get, I get it. Fine, whatever. Yeah. But they, they were from that time, though. They were 1980 computers, so those, those oh, items. Oh, sure, yeah. They show, the ones on his and, desk, uh, and yeah, yeah. And uh, Minerva has a, a, a Commodore PET on her desk. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry, not a PET. It's an 8100 or something. It, it's a bit of a shame, too, because I think they could have done even more with the Barbara Minerva character. Mm-hmm. I think Kristen Wiig should be a huge star. I think she's a really talented actor with yeah. a lot of range. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, arguably, she was, you know, one of the co-stars of, of the, the Ghostbusters movie that they did, which also got kind of panned yeah. a little bit. Right. And yeah. she has had, you know, some more roles in different things. She's a bridesmaid. I, she's a lead character in that. She is. And she was fantastic in that. But again, mm-hmm. I think she's got more like there. Obviously, there was some drama to that, too. But it was ostensibly a comedy. I, I feel like this would have been really nice to see her really break through here. Because I, I really do think that she should be, you know, a top tier Hollywood yeah. star. Because she's so talented. And I think she did a lot with this character. But I feel like they didn't give her as much as What did you actually think have. about the manifestation of, of cheetah at the very end there I, I thought it was fine I actually yeah. I'm actually happy with the way that they did it that it wasn't uh it was neither too long mm-hmm. in that she wasn't that for the entire movie I, I like that it was sort of an evolutionary thing where she sort of went from being the the timid to the uh sort of um the unknown them sort of I, i'm getting used to this to the i'm okay to the i'm confident to the i'm arrogant to the i'm i'm an apex predator i i liked that they had enough time to do that with her and so it didn't feel out of place although i did think it was very funny because you know uh, again i don't want to get too far into spoilers but i thought the way that the fight culminated between the two of them i thought that it was going to culminate in her death given the circumstance and it doesn't and then there's this sort of whole story about how you know how it all sort of reconciles in the end and the decisions that people make and they have to be okay with letting go of the decisions they've made they never tacitly acknowledge there's never well never strictly or tacitly acknowledge whether or not she makes that choice yeah, that's true. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I found that was a bit of a, a hole. And my only hope on that one is, well, maybe we'll see some other iteration of her down the road. So I've and the, so i also pasted into our notes here right below that. They've confirmed that Patty Jenkins and Gal Gadot will be back for Wonder Woman 3. Mm, okay. So whether or not you enjoyed this, I think <laughs> probably as part of the... Uh, I, th- I think a trilogy is probably the way that they were always intending to go. Mm. But I think part... Part of the interruption of obviously the COVID circumstances that derailed it from being a theatrical wide huge release. Yeah. I think the circumstances I know that they, they I, um, the stories online if, if they're to be believed are that because Gagudut and um, Patty Jenkins would have gotten percentages from the box office they basically cut them each ten million dollar checks and said this is this is sort of it to get them to go with this HBO Max and everything else I think part of that was also and we're gonna make a third movie and we're gonna pay you both big salaries and you're both gonna get back end on that stuff too so I'm not surprised at all they're making a third one irrespective of what people think about this particular one uh but maybe we will yeah maybe we'll get barbara minerva back i don't know i 
I'd, I'd like to see that. I, I think I think there's more to more to be had there with that character too. Yeah, I did watch um, Justice League and Wonder Woman in, in preparation for this as well. They were on mm. on the television the other day, so I don't remember if I wa- finished watching Justice League though. Hmm. Well, you can always Batman circle back and watch the Zack Snyder one. Yeah, when is that coming out? Uh, I want to say March. Yeah, Do we Superman have a date? I remember it was early, early 2021. I thought, but I can't recall if it was specifically yeah. nailed down. Because now that I'm subscribing to HBO Max, I'm like, hmm. So when's the when's the next thing that gets my next month of uh, of subscription coming out? Yeah. So Snyder, they posted a picture this today. Uh, hmm, let's see. Yeah, no, I think you're right, Jaime. I think I think they had speculated it was going to come this spring, but I don't think they put a time to it. Hmm. And apparently, uh, something I saw online this week, I didn't put it in here, but uh, apparently Gal Gadot wouldn't or, wouldn't or didn't participate in the reshoot stuff they did. So I don't know if she just wasn't necessary because they'd filmed what they already had and needed with her, or if they... Reshoot, reshot for Snyder? Yeah, they were doing oh. actual uh, reshoots. So uh, some of it they were repurposing. Some they were finishing stuff that they did didn't do from a computer animation perspective and some of it they actually went back and and shot some more and apparently Mm. she did not participate in that and again i don't know if that's i won't or i didn't we can you could release that as a separate episode if you want just put a midweek special (laughs) bonus episode yeah yeah yeah. welcome to spotcast here we are to talk about wonder woman yeah um (laughs) Let's get to our watch list. So, Jaime, you're up first. Yeah, I've got the one that uh, I had forgotten is not one that Jonathan will watch. Uh, yes. Is The Midnight Sky on Netflix because it does star George Clooney yeah. and uh, <laughs> the lady who plays Jyn Erso on Rogue One. I apologize mm-hmm. for her name. I should have looked it up. Uh, I thought it was a good film. Uh, this is the the yearly big um you know hollywood style movie that comes out on netflix during the holidays um i thought it was pretty pretty Lucy enjoyable Jones for those of you driving yeah home. thank you thank you yeah no it was, it was good i mean uh the the little girl in it too i thought i'd seen her before but apparently she's not been in other things before but uh and um so and this is a bit of a spoiler but you, you know ethan peck is in this or you know spock from our uh our regular podcast plays a role in this too um as a as a young as a younger version of george clooney right so which isn't really revealed i guess until near the end this is why i'm sort of saying this is a spoiler right i mean like do we i guess i mean it it sounded like it was did you you connect that with the same guy yeah i thought it was him because it sounded like his same voice to me no no Um, i don't mean that i mean spoilers that the george clooney character and ethan peck are the same person yeah you knew that or you didn't know that yeah i i thought they heavily implied it was maybe okay maybe maybe i just jumped to conclusions and got right (laughs) yeah no, I, I I knew that I knew that the Ethan Peck character was the girl's father, but I didn't get the I didn't get the Clooney connection. I until see until they I mentioned see. his name at the very near the very end of the movie, right? Oh, okay. I'm trying okay. not to give away the the twist. <laughs> yeah, um, but even still, still pretty. Um, I mean, it's it's got space stuff, but mm-hmm. reasonably uh, grounded in reality, which is nice. Well, uh, sort of grounded in reality. I mean, you know, like like being Canadian and and you know having to travel, you know. 50 50 miles unprotected in winter weather that's not going to happen <laughs> i'm sorry even, wait even a minute he, who's winter uh, well it, he was like up north like like north of here right yeah and, no then he's not going to do that yeah like he, he had a parka on and and you know yeah oh that ought to cover it then i mean he starts off in a snowmobile but it, it falls through the ice as you can imagine right so mm. and, and he you know he's in the freezing cold water and he gets out of the freezing cold water yeah you must be Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> 
Nice. It's a good movie. I mean, like, I, you know, there was a character, there's a character in the middle of the movie that, you know, uh, comes along and, and, you know, you kind of wonder, is he a match? Like he's, he's by himself up in, up in the North. Right. So, um, and he has his reasons for, for staying there, but, um, um, is, you know, when, when this other character appears, is he imagining the character was the first thing I thought, you know, when, when they appear on this, in this, in the story. Hmm. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's an interesting, it's interesting interesting sort of a double-ended story but i'm sure jonathan could probably if he if we could sit him down to watch it with you know with the the, the pin, pinning his eyelids open hey um, I, I gotta admit i'm <laughs> way less out on george clooney than i am on tom cruise i have seen several george yeah. clooney movies in the last 20 years yeah and quite enjoyed it's not gravity and quite enjoyed a few of them i must say i've actually enjoyed some of his movies i don't i don't dislike him nearly as much i i do think he owes us all a little bit of something for those batman yes. movies he made True. bat nipples True. but well that wasn't just him right it was he was he was an actor they were they were using his name to sell movies or sell popcorn but um uh it's directed by him too so i mean that's you know i think, I think it was quite an interesting movie from that point of view they didn't, they didn't give too much away throughout the whole story they could have mm. but they didn't anywho um what's your next pick there honey no that ruined that My, one yeah this is uh the star wars prequel trilogy special edition all caps on youtube which is six hours worth their content here this is a remake uh, or remakes of the first three uh or sorry episodes one through three um by some chaps in new zealand i think but it is the lockdown special where they took stuff i think largely out of their garage and replay pretty much all the scenes you would expect but in a very low budget sort of way um and it, it's kind of fun to see their um their their takes where they, they sort of break character a little bit as they're filming and also when they they animate stuff with like cheap cardboard cutouts or <laughs> it's like okay well they've got a jar jar mask fine or at least a horse mask that looks like jar jar but for some of the the uh the jedis you know out in battle it's like well we just printed out a face mask <laughs> like just printed out <laughs> a sheet of paper cut holes for the eyes and put it on the actor which is which is nice funny and thankfully thankfully the playlist has all of the um the different scenes with time codes so you don't have to literally sit through and watch the whole six hours yeah cool interesting i think the horse mask couldn't make it any worse <laughs> but is it, is it the horse mask like the you know the, the the one you see in all the memes and stuff yeah yeah so there's one the horse mask that i suspect is the one that they used for um painted to be jar jar and then they also reuse maybe even the same mask for sebulba mm-hmm. and it comes out a few different times nice. right, okay okay maybe you don't know what mask i'm talking about which is a rubber mask that you see people wearing yeah, that's time. exactly what it is. It's it's, oh, it's a okay, horse yeah. that, rubber that, face that, mask. That, that, okay, okay, cool. Yeah, All right, yeah. Jonathan, what's your watch list? Is this the yeah. stuff you're going to watch or stuff you're going to... This is the going to watches because, okay. uh, yeah, I, so I, I did receive, uh, after our most recent episode, uh, received Tenet as a Christmas gift in uh, the 4K version, so I'm going to sit down and watch that, I think, this weekend. That is on my, my to-watch list. And Oh, yeah, I kind of I talked about the download codes now, now that you uh, brought that up. And the other one is the Doctor Who New Year special. I know, Tim, you said you were, you were already watching that. 
that uh, tonight. I knew that our recording time was going to sort of overlap, so I just decided to PVR. And I'm I didn't realize it, it was after. 90 minutes, so I started yeah, watching. Yeah, yeah, I figured I'd, I'd go for the sort of all-in-one meal deal on that one. So, yeah, yeah just a couple of, uh, you know, interesting ones. I know this uh, Doctor Who special is supposed to be focusing on the Daleks and is supposed to be, um, you know, uh, the, the sort of changing of the guard. They, they've already talked about that. We've talked about that on this episode that the, they're, they're a couple of the uh, companions are, are moving on. So, yeah, I'm kind of keen to see how they how they tell that story. So mm-hmm. a couple of good ones there. Cool. So, um, well, I'll do my I'll do my pick first and I'll go back into the download codes um, drama. Uh, yeah. So Deadpool 2, this is a quick little uh, it, it, I guess it was a, a clip that was made for Deadpool to promote it. Um, yes. Yeah. Where he knocks on David Beckham's door and and uh, yeah, they just it's, it's he apologize for the first movie. Yes. Yes. He apologized for his first movie. Yeah. And yeah. Of course, I watched Deadpool 2 and he, and he does resolve the uh, the Green Lantern um, in that one yeah. too and says, thank you. You're welcome, Canada. Um, so here's a so so I know we talked about download codes in the past, right? And we talked mm. about like I've never been a fan of ultraviolet and I ha- I owned, you know, as I said, owned um, mm. probably about, I want to say a handful of films on ultraviolet, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, all the complete Batman, um, Blade Runner 2049, which we, we talked about on this show in the past was, was mm-hmm. an ultraviolet title. Mm-hmm. Um, and got my gravity uh, disc was a was a ultraviolet title as well, and I like that movie, and I would watch it again. Um, but, you know, but I you know I have to walk across the room and get the Blu-ray disc out and put it in the player and watch <laughs> it, and such a hassle. Does anyone else right? hear violin music while he talks? Yeah, yeah. So so here's the story. So so ultraviolet was closing down, and we talked about this on the show, and mm-hmm. it was they were moving their stuff over to Flixster Video, right? So I made sure I got my mm-hmm. Flixster Video account set up, and I made sure I synced all my ultraviolet stuff over and I had it in my phone because that's the only place that Flixster video existed in Canada yeah. anyway. Yeah. It was on our phones, right? Yeah. So I had that in my phone and I and I had all my movies and I had them all lined up and all ready to go. And then, then sometime last year, June, yeah. July, 2019, whatever, yep. Flixster video decided to shut down. It did. But Flixster video also made the same kind of agreement with Google here in Canada. Yeah. So here's my question to you. Mm. How the F do I get my content back? Because I contacted Warner Brothers and they said tough titties. Well, I think there was a window. I don't know. There was a window. Yeah. Well, that window slammed shut pretty effing quick, in my opinion. Because I followed all the steps to make sure that I kept all my my titles and they're all gone now. Yeah. I did the same thing and I I did have to go back and forth. I think between back and forth with, you know, the Flickster Google, Google email chain, I think it probably took me at least a dozen. At least a dozen messages so back and forth. So do I need to contact Google or is it just too late? I, don't, I mean, you can always go down that path. There may have been a cutoff point. I mean, it depends on how diligent you're willing to be. Mm-hmm. But I mean, for me, they were there was some stuff that they, you know, they migrated, some stuff they didn't, and then some stuff that, that they didn't have the rights for. And so we went back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. In the end, I got most of my stuff migrated. And, and I'm, I've been a little more, because um, obviously I have a pretty large Blu-ray collection. So I had had probably about... A good 30 different things maybe mm-hmm. more 30 or 35 i fought back and forth with them about you know well this that this that and in the end they couldn't give me a few of the things that i already had so they basically gave me 
a choice of you know any any of these 50 different movies or tv shows you could basically have for free as an apology for not having the things that you had had previously mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so i ended up with with a lot of that stuff transferred over the unfortunate thing and the part that i i find kind of galling is that google play and i don't you know want to start a fight with google but google play is not as good a, a it's um, horrible streaming platform as apple provides in that the quality of the transfers aren't as good they're far fewer high like uh ultra hd hdr uh atmos all that stuff is not necessarily built in it is for a few of them but not certainly not for all of them so it's good but i mean i had some stuff on there you know lord of the rings and you know some decent stuff where i'm like uh, i feel like i kind of got a little bit jobbed but then i feel like i kind of got jobbed in the first place because there was already that split between ultraviolet and itunes and then later flickster and itunes and now it's google play and itunes yeah i mean to be honest with you i wanted to own the movies i wanted to buy the discs and in most cases i bought it for the disc to get the 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 blu-ray right and the fact that it came with a download code was not my motivator for buying because if i had known if if deciding whether or not this is an ultraviolet title and i was buying it for that purpose i would not have bought the movie at all because i I was i've never been happy with ultraviolet as a as a platform for watching videos so no it it, overall that whole experience has been frustrating and it really does speak to a lot of things we've gone through over the years right it's the format wars it's beta versus vhs it's you know it's are we going to do laser discs are we going to do blu-rays or are we going to do dvds are we going to do blu-rays are we going to do hd dvds this one again it's it's all led by corporate vanity and well we'll align with this company and we've got exclusives from this company like you know mgm was one way and warner brothers was another way so if you had you know the one that really really ticked me off was they did an animated adaptation of the classic comic book the dark knight returns it's not great i don't well screw you warner brothers i don't like it it's not good but i bought the first one on blu-ray and it came with a download code and they divided it into two parts so they did the first one and it came out and the download was for itunes and then in between the releases of the first two they decided to switch providers and the other one came out for the other service i was like you know what go jump in a freaking lake that is ridiculous so i had one on one service and one on the other service and of course now if you go to buy it oh it all comes in one nifty package when you buy the digital package and and like that was particularly galling but so okay let's let's talk about a happy has some happy news then um and that is that a lot of these titles are available on on apple itunes right yes um so my question about these sales because i mean okay so i already own blade runner uh the director's cut right Mm -hmm. um i have tons of copies of the original blade runner i don't know if i really even want the original blade runner but there you go it's out there as well right Mm -hmm. without the redone soundtrack and all that kind of stuff and it's being sold on apple tv like apple tv is saying that there's up to 30 to 50 percent off uh if you buy the titles this week right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so So 14.99 is you can buy 2049 uh, what do you call it um blade runner 2049 if you can buy it for 14.99 or you can buy the three movies together for 14.99 yeah but i already own and i already paid money for the the blade runner um director's cut right 
So yep. it's kind of a wash. It's like, do I want 2049 as a digital copy? Maybe. I don't know. I bought yep. it in 2017, it says here, according to this, right? Yep. So how do I know, looking at the store, how do I know what is a good deal? Like I'm like I'm looking at the Batman series and, and the Batman Complete series, which I only watched like the first disc worth of. Um, I think it's like $29 or something like that, right? Like, how do I know that's a good price? Like, because Apple doesn't say this is the regular price. This is what you're getting it for now. No. Of course they don't. So I will I will refer you, and this is for all of our audience, not just for a Canadian audience. So there is a website that I've been going to for a very long time, and uh, it's simply Blu-ray.com. B-L-U-R-A-Y.com. It's a very good resource for a couple of different reasons. If you go there, you can find, they will list by country. They have uh, maybe a dozen countries on their homepage. Maybe there's more beyond that. But starting with, uh, I think the first three are America, the UK, and Canada. And then you click on the thing and it tells you all the things that are on sale in your country, both at uh, retailers or physical copies. And on. then you can also go in, you can look at all the digital providers. And in there, it'll also tell you what's on sale right now, and it'll tell you what percentage is off the regular price, and it'll tell you whether that's the lowest price it's ever been. So I use this all the time uh, as a resource because, one, there's such a huge catalog, especially on iTunes, Google Play, places like that, even Amazon, when you're wanting to have a physical copy of something. It can be a real pain in the butt to sort through, oh, what's on sale this week? Is that a good deal? So this is a really good resource that I, I go to all the time. So this is uh, we're not, I'm not getting paid by Blu-ray.com, but there it is. So uh, yeah, if you go to Blu-ray.com and you click on their deals section, then you can basically subdivide the deals into whatever format you're looking for. I go there usually, I think it's Tuesdays, Tuesdays and Fridays is when they put up basically when iTunes changes its deals. So if you go up on Tuesdays and Fridays, they basically, you go through, it'll tell you all the things that have just gone on sale and whether or not that's the lowest price, whether or not it's good price and what you can basically calculate in your head. Okay. It's on sale for $7. It says it is, you know, 40% off and therefore the regular price is this. So I find that very helpful to figure out whether or not something is a good deal or not. So this is selling Blu-rays or this is selling this is referring to download codes as well. Like both. Yeah. Like I'm so, not yeah. finding out how I find Apple or like I so own the deal section. So if you go to the Canada section and you go to the deal section, or Jaime, you obviously How do I know the, in Canada? Okay, Canada. Blue so you get the little Canada. Canadian flag oh, at the top is Canada. Okay, there, yeah. And then there, it basically gives you all the different stuff. It gives you 4Ks. It gives you Blu-rays. It gives you all the different services you can download things on. And then, yeah, one of the things on here is... Um, yeah, you can click on it. It shows you iTunes, Google Play, Microsoft Store, Fandango, Prime, Vudu, Walmart, Best Buy, Steam, and then all the different formats. And then from there, you can click on newest deals, lowest prices, and deals made day by day. So whatever they've uploaded each day. I find it to be very helpful when I can click on both lowest prices because you can see sort of what's, you know, is five bucks. Generally, nothing on iTunes for a movie goes below five bucks mm-hmm. Canadian. Mm-hmm. There have been a few exceptions. I, I somehow managed to snag Donnie Darko, which I don't I don't know if you guys are fans of, but mm-hmm. Donnie Darko was three bucks one day. I was like, oh, cool. Um, <laughs> but five bucks is about as low as a movie goes. And that includes 4K and whatever else. Yeah. And um, sometimes they'll even put a, a TV season or a box set down as low as five bucks. And usually yeah. the price cumulatively for a box set of uh, movies won't drop below 10 bucks. So you sometimes you can get like, I think they put the, um, what was that name of that franchise? Divergent? Mm-hmm. For this sale that's on right now, Divergent, you can get all 
three of the Divergent movies for 10 bucks. So again, 333 a movie is pretty good. Canadian. So yeah, it's what, like $4, yeah, like I'm looking at this $4 Batman, American? Yeah, Batman movie that I was just talking about. The lowest price was $19 in September. It's currently $29. Yeah. And it was originally 90 bucks, right? Or yeah. normally and it's 90 I, bucks. And I bought it when it was 20 bucks when they did that in the September. Batman one? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, yeah, that's, that's the thing is like, that's the other thing is, is like back in the day when we had, you know, discs, we could just like, I don't know, do I buy Tenant and watch it or do I wait till you're finished with it and borrow it? And Well, I mean, and that's the one thing that we sort of lost. And we talked about that in relation to obviously video games and, and stuff too. You know, you lose something if you go to a purely digital model where you can't trade them in, you can't, you don't have an asset, right? You basically have something that's locked in unless you're willing to give or loan people your access codes, which, you know, yeah. obviously well, I have a, I, but I have we're a, family, but I don't think there's, you know, some people you wouldn't want to be like, hey, you want to access all my stuff and, you know, yeah. mess with my iTunes account? Well, so I have a buttload of, of um, iTunes credit, as you know, right? Because mm-hmm. I don't know how to convert it into like Apple hardware, but. Um, yeah, look, I'm looking at like some of these things are like, this is a good site because, because my problem with the, the interface that Apple gives you is it's all categorized and you have to scroll through to yeah. find that one thing. Whereas the other here thing, on this, this site, it's marked in red. This yeah. Is good. The yeah. other thing mm-hmm. I, I do recommend is, and, and I do this with, with, uh, the Apple iTunes site as well is again, you can put things on your wish list, right? Mm. So oh, if okay. you, if you go in and you basically find something that you want, you basically, you click on it and then if you click there's a um a forward arrow basically like a cloud button at the top that's like a little arrow if you click on that it gives you the option to add it to your wish list if you add it to your wish list then basically anything from there you could you can reference your wish list if you know what it is you want or things mm-hmm. that are you have a maybe a physical copy of where you're like i don't want to have to dig that out all the time or i, I want to wait until or i want to keep an eye on this and see if it ever goes down to a decent sale price so i can just add it to my digital collection i right. added i added onto my wish list almost everything that I own a physical copy of with right. a mind to the future of it would be nice to be able to downgrade my physical copy collection. I don't think I would necessarily get rid of everything yet. I don't feel that comfortable with where we are technologically and everything else. Right. But I do feel like I could, in most circumstances, take it off my shelf, put it into a box and, and put it away for the time being, and then maybe decide in a few years if I feel comfortable, I could get rid of DVDs, Blu-rays, whatever whatever else right um so yeah i basically i've added everything into my watch list of stuff that i might potentially want to replace so that watch list is here somewhere on the site uh no the i'm, I'm talking about the watch list on on itunes oh wish list or whatever yeah yeah okay. so if you go into itunes on your phone or on your computer yeah and then you click on a movie or a television program that you want to watch or you, something where you're like Ugh, it's a hundred bucks i'm not spending a hundred bucks okay, right now you can buy the complete game of thrones on uh itunes is 200 dollars canadian it's very mm-hmm. expensive but mm-hmm. i've seen it as low because i've been watching it this whole time i've seen it as low as 60 dollars for the entire set right but i'm in the exact same boat that you are tim where i already have the first four seasons yeah. so now i'm waiting for the seasons individually to go so i know i had sent you a note saying hey by the way uh red dwarf is on sale yeah that a, was a series at, yeah. that yeah. you and i both really love i 
earlier, maybe I think it was last year. But you can't put a box set on on a on your wish list. I'm looking at a. You can, yeah, you absolutely can. Oh, that's weird. Some there, I will say, I've run into that glitch a few times, but it seems to be a glitch. Yeah, it seems to be a glitch. I've had that glitch happen to me, but generally, I can put almost everything on to my watch list or wish list or whatever the hell they call it. But the yeah, it's it's actually a pretty good way to sort of keep track of those things too. But yeah, I, so Red Dwarf was the one you and I had talked about. Red Dwarf, I. Uh, had bought the first, I think, six seasons. They had them on for five bucks a pop. So I spent 30 bucks and I got the first, like, six seasons. Now they've got it for 50 bucks. You can get the first 12 seasons. And I'm thinking, well, what the hell do I do? Because I would like to get the rest of those seasons, but I don't want to have to buy that after already spending 30 bucks on that. But right now, if I want to buy the seasons, they're still 15 bucks a pop. Yeah, there's no complete your set or whatever, right? No, no. No, there's no, like, you know, they'll do that if you buy, like, episodes, but not if you buy previous seasons, which I think is a bit of a scam, but it is what it is, obviously. Look at this, you can rent uh, Face the Music for 99 cents. Bill and Ted, come on, you know you want to. Uh, I'll be honest, I don't think I've seen either of the original original two movies in their entirety really yeah, yeah. i don't yeah I, I can't remember i don't know if i've seen them all myself yeah I, bits and pieces i've seen bits and pieces over the years at like people's houses and on tv and whatever i've watched scenes but i, I don't think i've seen the whole thing hmm. but yeah there's, there's, there's certainly there are ways to sort of keep track of that again i've been a little more actively doing this just because um as i say i've been downgrading some of my uh physical collection because it was getting a little out of hand so this was one of my ways of doing that was you know i don't mind spending five bucks especially because in some circumstances i'm upgrading from a dvd to a 4k apple tv at my fingertips version and for me that's a huge value time and effort and quality and if i wanted to replace it as a blu-ray it would be easily 20 bucks and if i wanted to replace it on a 4k it would be easily 30 bucks canadian and so it's probably Mm. just as easy to spend the five bucks and, and have it on itunes the only thing about itunes obviously and and any digital download i will say if anybody's still listening to this conversation is um (laughs) what you are paying the money for is for the right to download it that's very important for people to remember you are paying for the right to download it when you purchase it that does not guarantee that apple will continue to have it in its inventory and that you will be able to download it in the future so you have to decide if you want to guarantee that you will have access to something ad infinitum you're prepared to download a, a file and keep it on your hard drive or an external drive or a server or whatever because they could theoretically lose the rights to have it in the future and they have done that. I've seen that happen to uh, things that I own and things that other people I know have owned that they've lost the rights to have things mm-hmm. in theory down the road and I don't know the details I don't think many people at all would know the details of whatever their contracts are with places like Disney or you know Amazon projects or whatever those places could have a termination date or they could have a buyback date or they could have a, an end date where they basically say you know what we don't want people to be able to buy Disney movies on iTunes anymore we want them to just get Disney Plus. And so they might say, no more Marvel movies, no more Star Wars movies, no more Disney cartoons, no more Pixar cartoons, no more anything on iTunes. The only place you can get it is is on Disney Plus. And if they decided to do that, you'd be up the creek, right? Yeah, yeah. Unless you downloaded them, in which case you own them, but you wouldn't be able to stream them. So you'd still need to get Disney Plus. Interesting stuff. Yeah. Well, this all started because I lost the rights to my movies. So yeah, yeah. It's it's pretty pretty rough as things are moving about, and 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 it seems weird to say, but it would be better in the future when we only have like three places to get all this stuff. Yeah. Then yeah. You you won't have as much of a problem. Whereas right now we're in the in the frothy part where everybody's trying to compete to be the service. Yeah, and again, it seems like. 
things are coming and going, you know, things that used to be on Netflix are now on Amazon and things that are on Amazon's have you know, gone back and reverted to Disney. And, you know, I think as a business model, it makes perfect sense. If you own the intellectual rights to something, make people come find you. But at the same time, they were also making a lot of money in the past by licensing those things. It's just that no one anticipated a future where there'd be so much competition. So it's a question of how long those contracts are for, right? Does Netflix have the rights to show certain movies for 50 years, 100 years, four years, six months? I, I don't know. I don't know. Be curious. Mm. I should mention to you, uh, Tim, as well, that the other thing I noticed that was on there, as long as you're shop- shopping for deals, is every single season of Doctor Who is uh, available for 10 bucks right now. That's on, an amazing uh, price. On 10 bucks a season. and uh, That's an amazing price. That includes used to be right like up $80 until... for season. Yeah, that includes everything right up until the, the last season with uh, Jodie Whittaker. Mm. So. Now, you, that means you'd still be in for 120 bucks or whatever if you wanted them all, and that doesn't include the Christmas specials. I should point that out. It doesn't always include the Christmas specials, which so I think is a bit of a scam. Can you believe I don't own a copy of Shaun of the Dead on digital? You monster. I know, there, right? There's actually a box set. The the Coronetto trilogy is actually in a, in a set, too. Where is it? Uh, I, I don't know. I bought it two years ago. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I have uh, I have all those discs, right? Yeah, as do I, but, you know, all things in time. Mm-hmm. Spell Coronet. I know. I was just doing the same thing. How the hell do you spell Coronetto? Just search for Edgar Wright. Yeah. Well, that was it. Yeah, I guess so. He's in um, uh, the last Star Wars movie. Yeah. I was, just, I was noticing there's a few people in it. Right? Out of print. Ooh. Says, is that a movie by him? Oh, it is a movie by him. <laughs> yeah, they got Worlds in Hot Fuzz and Shaun of the Dead on iTunes. Oh, wait, there's more. And Baby Driver and... Yeah. I have Scott. Scott Tim Pilgrim Tim was one and... that I had to argue to get back reinstated. I think I think that was... Um, I, I contacted somebody and got a download code for that one. That was one I fought for years ago. Yeah. Yes. I would I would have fought for that one. I love that movie deeply. Yes, it's great. I mean, do you have Shot a big digital Tom. collection? Are you, have you gone down that road or are you a streamer? No, I, I stream stuff. And you know, I've steadily reduced my uh, my physical copy stuff. Um, I just found myself sort of overwhelmed by what streaming has available. That I'm I'm honestly not going back to any of these. And, and most of the things I would end up watching are either on things that I uh, services that I stream or are like, oh, well, is it a day that ends in day? Well, then Harry Potter and the Star Wars trilogies are all playing somewhere. So yeah, <laughs> just yeah. watch those. And, and that's just the way that I watch things. Um, I think before I probably started, you know, wearing out the DVDs in, in my uh, college years. And, and for whatever reason now, I, I just haven't. Yeah, I've, I've definitely felt for the longest time I was and I am still an advocate of if you love something, if you know you're going to watch it a bunch and you want a certain level of quality or you really care about the sort of the, the commentaries, the behind the scenes, all that kind of stuff, then it, then buying a good quality uh, owned media makes a lot of sense to me. But I've been doing that a lot more selectively over the past couple of years than I was in the past before I would be just like oh I got to get that of course you got to have that you got to get the new quality version of that and blah 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 now I tend to go a little more with you know like I think this year grand total I think I've bought and I think I've bought one two physical copies of, of anything the, and the stuff that I tend to prioritize on on these on the um buying a digital copy tends to be stuff that is not available on a streaming service or the or the quality copy on the on the streaming service isn't good and the other thing is i i I get into this argument with some of my friends all the time the other thing to remember is what's on a streaming service today does not mean it's going to be on a streaming service in the future something that is relatively popular now doesn't isn't necessarily going to exist in the future i mean i have a huge collection of animation because i'm a huge animation buff you cannot get the original transformers 
series on any digital service and it's not on any streaming service here in Canada. Mm. The only way you can actually watch it is if you watch it on a on a DVD. So, you know, when that changes, you know, maybe I will change my perspective. But in the meantime, I need several shelves full of stuff that just doesn't exist anywhere. I actually went through my collection just after Christmas. I went through and sort of looked at things and was like, okay, well, what is there anything I need to add to my wish list? And I looked and I probably have 200 things, maybe 200 different things that aren't available on any streaming service and that aren't available for digital download. And until they are, I'm going to have to keep a shelf that has my stuff on it because there's a lot of stuff there that I enjoy and I don't necessarily want to not have a copy of. And in some cases, some of it is quite rare and valuable because of those circumstances. It doesn't show up, but it's the Three Flavors Coronetto trilogy. No, there you go. Yeah, I, I bought it because I think it was 15 bucks. I think I paid 15 bucks for the three movies and I was like, that's a steal. Yeah, it's on, it's on disc in um, and Amazon, which I already own, but yeah. Yeah. All right, well, let's wrap it up. Um, so, hey, Jonathan, people want to get in touch with you. Where would they find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram as at JPK News. And um, if people want to get in touch with you, I'm on Twitter as at Dev of the Hair. All right. Well, my name is Timitra, T I M M I T R A, on the Twitter machine is where you'll find me. So, until next time, we'll say bye bye. 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 Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Yeah. Happy, happy, happy New happy, Year. Happy New Year. New Year. year. You've been listening to the Spotcast podcast. If you want to find out more about the podcast or see the episode show notes, visit the Spotcast website at spotcast.com. You can get in touch with us on the website or follow us on Twitter at Spotcast. If you have feedback or questions, send us a tweet with the hashtag AskSpotcast. If you like the show, please consider recommending us to a friend, writing a review on iTunes, or pledging any amount at patreon.com slash spotcast. You can find details on how to help us on our website, spotcast.com slash sponsor us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the future. into the uh, the real-time follow-up there. I don't know if you guys had a chance to look at that. That's that's where I had... I knew it had tweaked somewhere that I'd seen it. Zack Snyder tweeted that out last week. What's that? That March. He was responding to someone's question mm. about uh, the, the JLA, his cut of JLA, and said, like, oh, I hope you get rid of all the old ones. And he said, well, hopefully what you see in March will erase your bad feelings. Mm-hmm. So he was the one that, that put March into my brain because he tweeted it out last week. Right. Interesting. So now I just got to find something to fill up February February, <laughs> so I don't have to do the unsubscribe, resubscribe dance. Well, you know, by the time you get through, uh, so you already watched Watchmen. Got to catch up on Westworld still. What else you got on the uh, to do list? Catching up on uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm. Curb, yeah, absolutely. We'll probably as a as a couple end up watching um, Succession. Yeah, and I got to look to see what what other things. So. Like, hopefully, some like movies come out too that aren't available, like on Amazon or Netflix or something. Yeah, yeah. We'll watch those in HBO.
HBO. Yeah, you never know. He's your, your partner, a fan of Sex in the City. I mean, there's lots of there's lots of content. True Blood. Uh, there's Veep. Yeah. We might watch. I'm gonna oh, see. Oh, have you never have you watched Veep? We've we've not. Oh we've my not. god, it's always I, been kind of under under the waterline of like, should, we, should uh, we subscribe just for this? No, we we won't. And then we watch. Highly else. highly recommend Veep. It is uh, some of the best dark comedy I've ever seen. It's mm. so freaking funny that show. Um, yeah, it's one of those ones. It's interesting too because they the first I think four seasons are all into the same the show's creator and showrunner is the same person and then there's a new person that comes in for the last few seasons and it kind of shifts tone a little bit but it's it's just as funny but a little different uh i think it's yeah highly highly recommend that one for a watch yeah this i mean there's so much content now between the different streaming services plus digital stuff plus the the collection of things i've amassed over the years it just feels like there's there's sort of no end in sight um you know and as i say especially you know knowing that we're like two weeks away from one division dropping on disney plus that's now required you know we go oh, gotta keep up with that and you know it just feels like there's always something i feel honestly the only one that feels a little extraneous that i could sort of drop off for a few months was is amazon and but, uh yeah it's it just feels like there's so much out there i'm really curious to see what they put on that star thing that they're gonna do that hulu can uh, hulu international thing that they do in disney plus in february I'm, I'm curious to see what they add there is that gonna be here too or it's only here it's only here and in non non-american markets hmm. it's they're basically their version of doing not hulu but hulu right and it comes in as just part of your package for for um disney plus hmm. but i'm curious to see what kind of content they put on there we're gonna finally get all the aliens predator back catalog the fx tv shows catalog with you know fargo and legion and archer and um you know all that stuff as well i mean it seems like there's a lot of stuff they could stick in there i just don't know if they're going to package that all up on disney plus with this little thing yeah. wow do you know they made leave it to beaver a movie uh, not starring the original no. cast no i know they is did it from dennis the, the era that was doing like brady bunch and mm-hmm. other kind of stuff yeah around that time i guess let's see where the yeah. this is well they did a bewitched movie and they did a, a, a dennis the menace movie and i think at one point they sort of recycled all those properties funny they didn't do a i dream of genie movie yeah. Something about owning a slave girl in a bottle. I don't know. Mm. <laughs> I used to undid the whole show. <laughs> we were being so good. You know what's really good that uh, that doesn't exist outside of, of uh, owning a digital or physical copy is the all the Justice League cartoon series, the Superman cartoon series, all that Bruce Timm, um, Haldini, Bruce Timm stuff. You can get that on iTunes, which you can't, uh, it's not streaming anywhere, which hmm. I, I, maybe it is in the States. I bet you it is on, uh, what's, what's it called? Is it HBO Max? that stuff i mean hbo max got batman the animated series and batman beyond i I don't know if they got everything though um like for all those other series you're talking about like i don't remember superman being mentioned does this site list box i'd have to to take a look does it list box sets yeah i'm looking at Um, best deals physical or best deals itunes yeah and but Again, it depends on like how far oh, you have to go bundles, back. iTunes bundles, here it is. Yeah. Okay. Rambo, yeah, I like the Rambo movies. Ooh. It's a cool site just because originally their sort of milieu was just like they launched to, to do stuff that was obviously when Blu-ray was new. Mm-hmm. So I've been you know on it for like a decade plus. Mm-hmm. And they always had this sort of section of deals where the deals would take you to whatever your local Amazon or whatever would sort of give you all that but they've sort of evolved it now so that it covers all these different bases and i, I find it a really good resource I, I usually just i log in twice a week at least to check usually tuesday morning and, and friday morning i check on to see 
sort of so Friday, whatever so today, they, prices would have changed, or mind you, it's, it's Apple shut down. They, no, they didn't really change much today because it's New Year's Day and because of um, they've got this huge sale that's been on. It started like just before Christmas. Mm-hmm. So I think they're doing this up until probably Tuesday. It'll change. Mm-hmm. So all that stuff that's been on sale, all the box sets, all the movies, everything else have been on since then but the um yeah tuesday it'll probably shift over to the new stuff but yeah it's kind of cool because they they have like the flags on it say that tell you whether it's the lowest price they tell you whether it's like you know the best price that it's ever been they tell you what percentage has been off so you can sort of figure out like if you're willing to sort of be patient too like there was a few movies that i had put on my list like um steve martin's the jerk which is a comedy i always liked um Chris Farley and David Spade's Tommy Boy. Just some old comedies and stuff like that I had put on my watch list. And they were always consistently in that, like, fourteen ninety nine Canadian to twelve ninety nine Canadian. Sometimes they would drop as low as seven ninety nine or eight ninety nine Canadian. And I would look at them and I'd be like, yeah, I just don't feel like that's quite there. And sure enough, last week, they all went on sale for five bucks. And I was like, you know what? Five bucks is my price point. It's their lowest point, so you know you're never going to see a better deal than that. And then you sort of decide, okay, you know, is this worth five bucks to own a better, you know, a long-term version of this? Do I have the hard drive space? <laughs> um, you know, and, and, you know, some of this stuff, yeah, the deals are pretty sweet too, especially because unlike some other services, they're not charging any upgrade fees to 4K, HDR, any of that kind of stuff. So Apple isn't. So if you buy, a, whether you buy a Blu-ray and you get it and you use the code that comes with the Blu-ray or whether you download it from them, you're getting the 4K HDR version of a lot of these movies. And then as they upgrade those versions, they just upgrade them for free. So I now have a library of, you know, dozens and dozens of, of those 4K movies. Have you downloaded that I don't them or own. you just leave them on iTunes? No, I have a dedicated uh, external hard drive for, for my iTunes library. Because I have a, ma- well, you know, I have a massive music library as well as a pretty substantial TV and, and uh, movie library. And there's a bunch of stuff on there that is 4K that I don't own the 4K disc for. So it's the, in some circumstances and in many circumstances it's the best quality copy that I could possibly watch. It's better than I would watch it on a streaming service. It's better than I would watch owning the DVD or the Blu-ray. So it's actually worked out quite well that way. All the Marvel stuff. I bought all the Marvel stuff on Blu-ray in the past because that was the best you could get it. Now they've upgraded all that stuff to 4K. I don't even need to watch my Blu-rays and I get an even better version than I would have had before. So it's kind of a win across the board. So I looked up the series stuff Mm. and Batman, the animated series, and Batman Beyond are indeed on there, and a few other things. But Superman, the animated series, is not. So yeah, and no, no Justice League, no uh, none of that stuff. Uh, let me check for Justice League because I saw some of the movies. Let me see. Justice League War, Lee vs. Teen Titans. Oh, so they have some of those animated movies, but not the series necessarily. I don't see the series. Their their search isn't very smart. Mm. Um, I don't think it's on here. Yeah, right, I'm just kind of looking through it. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't think they have the Justice League series. Yeah, animated series. Yeah, and some stuff. It just you know, it's the totality of it, right? Like even at ten bucks a pop, if you wanted to watch each season of Doctor Who, you're still spending 120 bucks if you want to get all those for download. But they're not showing them any else right now like they took it all off netflix i don't know if it might be on crave now here in canada but it wasn't what, for doctor a long who? time doctor who i watched it when you recommended it to me 
I started watching it on Netflix, and I watched the first, like, seven seasons oh, on Netflix. Yeah. It's not on Netflix Canada anymore. Hmm. I think it might have ended up on Crave here in Canada. But some stuff, yeah, it's just, you know, South Park. Like, I think, like, oh, it's kind of cool. You could, you know, get all the seasons of South Park on iTunes. But even at its best price, it's, like, 10 bucks a season. It's been around for, they're on, like, season 25. Like, hmm. do I want to spend 250 bucks if I want to watch all the South Park episodes? No. Yeah, no. So, yeah. But it's cool. I mean, some stuff, like, they've even got stuff like, um, you know, old, like, 1980s TV shows and stuff. Some stuff you want to catch up on. Like, I, I spent, I think it was, like, 20 bucks and got, like, every episode of Cheers. Like, am I going to sit down and watch Cheers today? No. Am I going to watch in the future? Maybe. I'm like, it was 20 bucks. And it was like, you know, this is 1980s television. They did, like, 30 episodes a season. It's like, it's 300 episodes for like 20 bucks yeah <laughs> your cost per episode is like you know literally pennies it's it's crazy yeah again I, I understand it's not everybody's cup of tea some people are just happy with whatever's you know and sit down at a streaming service and watch you know there's some things eh, i don't know some things that i always feel like i kind of want you know your favorite book your favorite uh you know it's like it's like a teddy bear you just want to i want to know that i have a copy of you know certain things at my fingertips where if you know the internet when it tomorrow i could just sit down and still watch oh because you downloaded them already yeah that's true or because i own the physical copy yeah, yeah or dvd yeah. or i mean you know vhs cassette or whatever mm-hmm. right? and and you know and we we joke about it all the time but like look at what happened with lucas right lucas goes back and rewrites history on all a bunch of his movies and now you have to decide like you can watch on disney plus right now you can watch all the star wars movies but not in the way that they were originally presented you can go back and watch you know all kinds of different stuff where they've altered it or they've excised scenes or mm-hmm. you know in some cases you previously watched the di- director's cut but on the one that's on the on the streaming services the theatrical cut right. or you know there's, there's all these different circumstances too you know at a certain point some of these things are you know a question of artistic integrity or as you prefer to see it or all that stuff too yeah, i'm trying to remember if i saw bright burn i haven't seen that that's been on my to-do list for a long really? time I thought I sworn it, wasn't it on like one of the services for a while there i think it was on netflix I want to I think say. I watched it. I can't remember. I could, it's like that's the one about the little boy. It's Superman, basically, but he's yeah, but yeah. He's not it's like super. Yeah, it's what if super Superman was bad to the bone? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've just scrolled through like eight pages of movies. Oh, and you could go on for quite a while. I'm just it's in, nice that you can search too because they, they do best deals, newest deals, lowest prices, and deals by day, so you can really sort of see you know what you're looking for. Pretty pretty well designed site, all things being equal. Mm. Oh, it's basic, right? Yeah, but it doesn't need to be anything more than that. But it's the same thing if you go in and you look through the like the amazon listings it'll show you everything that amazon has on sale each week mm-hmm. and if you wanted to own a physical copy of something you know again you can just sort of keep an eye on it and right. see if it's something new that's popped up or whatever I, i've managed in the past i managed to snag some pretty good deals on you know, sets and, and individual discs where they're clearly they're just like clearing out the warehouse or whatever and they're like Ugh, get rid of these and like great i'll take them mm-hmm. one man's trash is another man's treasure they say Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. 
Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. Probably the easiest thing I've ever done. The medication comes in the mail and it's very easy to use. I've been able to live my normal lifestyle and I've lost 20 pounds already and I've never felt better. It changed my life. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.